You guys, welcome to episode 79 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly, not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy McKinney. How's it going? Today's guest, I mean, truly needs no introduction, but like this has been such a long time coming. You guys, Malls is my guest today, my fairy godmother. Hi, babe. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. We talked a little bit beforehand. We both are um, having a little bit of a sleepy day. Do you tell people when you re-record? Oh, fuck yeah. I'm very transparent. So I, yesterday, this is actually really, I, like, I'm, I'm like living for this story. Yesterday we got, it like, was, maybe- I was so heartbreaking. I could <laughs> feel, I felt so sad, but okay. Sorry. I Go wanted ahead. to cry. No, I like, we were recording and I have this fucking Himalayan salt lamp that I was insistent on getting from Amazon and I sat it on my computer desk. And yesterday I like got up to go pee because we took a break and I dropped the lamp on my computer and it just started over. And like for a minute, I thought my computer was like fully broken because it was like right. rebooting over and over. But no, we just lost all of our audio. And, uh, you know, this has happened before. It happened with me and Brandon Alvarado and it ended up being a much better episode that people really liked a lot. So I don't know. I have high hopes. I will say I do think it's for... Oddly enough, like it is for the best when it happens. It always yeah. is. Um, we've only lost a, like a couple episodes in the history of all of these podcasts I've done. Um, and it is a blow right away. It's a yeah. blow. Um, but when you like either re-record or decide not to move forward with it at all, sometimes you realize in the long run that that was for a good reason. Like that yeah. guess winds up having a fucking scandal or you right. know whatever yeah. always like oh god god you were looking out for me like maybe that himalayan salt lamp was bringing some sort of negative even though that's not the purpose of it right i mean negative vibes into your life and it had to fucking go break the ghost of britney murphy took that salt lamp <laughs> i always feel i mean like i could honestly do this for nine hours but i always feel bad for the person i'm talking to where i'm like oh by the way the hour that you set aside for me I'm going to have to take another one from you because I fucked up. I just, I feel bad. You know what I mean? Oh, I would talk to you all day, any day. I mean, and also, you know, I have the ghost of Patsy Ramsey has been haunting me. So I've had lots of um, little audio hiccups over the years. So (laughs) that just means you've identified your ghost and time to move on. It's time to move on. I got to let it go. I got to, I got to free it and just release it into the world. Um, so Molly and I today are talking about a very iconic couple. And I, one of the things that I mentioned to you yesterday was that you and I, throughout the years, have talked about a lot of really iconic couples. We've kind of been doing this thing in some form or another for a really long time. And Well, that's how this podcast was even sort of born, was like when we were doing um, you know, some episodes of EBP or whatever, I really like got into the site Who's Dated Who. And mm-hmm. you and I would just go back and forth all day being like, oh my God, look at so-and-so's page. Oh my God. And you realize, I mean, Hollywood is a very small and incestuous little town. Um, we can go over some of the people that Ashton and Brittany have dated over the years too. Oh, because yeah. it's, but um, it's, uh, it's, it's unreal. Um, so wait, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. I've only listened to part of the Britney and Eminem stuff. So I don't want to like step on your toes um, by making you rehash anything. Mm-hmm. So um, like, I'll obviously, you know, be the guest and let you like lead or whatever. <laughs> yeah. But if I start to repeat something that like you've kind of driven into the ground or whatever, just let me know and I'll shut up. 
No, you're fine. This is like the audience of this podcast is so used to me driving things. Like I, I'll beat a dead horse until it's mush. So like right. they, it's it's part of the brand and it's fine. Like people don't really mind, especially. I mean, it's Brittany Murphy. By the way, we're talking today about Brittany Murphy and Ashton Kutcher. If you haven't picked up on that. <laughs> And, uh, if you haven't read the title of this fucking podcast. <laughs> yeah. Molly and I decided, um, you know, I mentioned in the Eminem episode that I wanted to do, I felt like it was really disrespectful to talk about Brittany Murphy and not like really go in depthly about her death. So I figured we could do like a three part little thing here. And yeah, I have all uh, sorts of tea on Simon Monjack too. And honestly, uh, that's, he is an incredibly huge blind spot for me. And I know that you did the Brittany Murphy movie, movie for, for the Lifetime like podcast. Like, yeah, I, I don't really know a lot about him. So this is going to be, when we do that, it's going to be like a really big, like, I don't know. I'll learn a lot. Do you want broad strokes or do you want me to like, just like not say anything about Simon Monjack? Um, like we'll today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's save it. Especially cause okay. I'm so uninformed. Like, I don't want to like. I want to like have my shit together. Can I just um, say this though, okay, pertaining to this, um, to this uh, particular relationship, she yeah. knew Simon the longest that she's been in Hollywood. Um, so she definitely knew him while she was with Ashton, but did not know of him as like a romantic interest. So I should just say that like when she meets Ashton, Simon has already sort of started to latch onto her. And like the thing that I, I really like about going from this one to to Simon is like this is such a a light sort of breezy this this relationship is like in no way dark if anything it was more of like a publicity thing that turned into a relationship um you know it's a palate cleanser like this is a nice we little definitely like, I I feel like I hit something yesterday um when I realized sort of how I think this love affair really got started mm-hmm. uh, and I want to make sure that I I remember it as sort of like jump in there with my take on that uh, when we when we get to it um because i think i figured something out about britney murphy and, and ashton kutcher how this all sort of happened so um i'll let you like start <laughs> sorry right, let me go ahead no you're fine also i like left you hanging yesterday with that dick thing there's like um ashton kutcher's dick is a part of this like oh I wait mean, people it, don't it know yesterday i asked troy Oh, are you playing any of the first part, or are we are we picking up from where we left off? No, we're just going oh, to no, totally- lost the whole thing. Yeah, it's all gone. So yesterday, I said I randomly asked you. I was like, "Dude, I feel like you know, um, I feel like uh, Ashton Kutcher. I I can't really get a read on his dick. Like, right. I feel like he has BDE, but it's like, but it doesn't. But it's not BDE. Actually, it's like a sh- it's a lesser shade of it." That means that he probably has a low key, medium to to smaller size penis in my maybe very long, not a lot of girth. I'm not sensing girth. The irony is that I have an entire the last part of my notes, the entire section, is a scandalo about his dick and in reference to Brittany Murphy. Like it's like a whole thing that she had to Did address. Did you say scandalo? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, scandalo. I like that. <laughs> Did you say that on purpose? <laughs> yeah. I love the word scandalo. Is that even a word? They say it on drag race sometimes. Oh, oh, I was like, oh, I was like, that was a brilliant little slip of the tongue. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Keep going. But no, it's like, it's just ironic. Like, I, I literally have an entire section of notes about Ashton's dick and the, uh, the alleged, this, there's a lot of scandal surrounding it. But, uh, but yeah, I'll go ahead and introduce the episode and then we can go ahead and get started in talking about Brit. Um, 
So Brittany and Ashton started dating in October of 2002. They separated in April of 03. And this, again, was one of those really short, not really like super dramatic. Not There wasn't like a ton of crazy shit happening, but it was impactful in the sense that the media covered this relationship really, really heavily. Um, they met on the set of Just Married in February of 2002. And uh, Ashton has been pretty open about the fact that after they broke up, they really didn't remain in contact with each other at all. Like they basically didn't speak until two months before she died. Um, and also there is a rumor that they were engaged and that was like the number one thing that people equate to the Lifetime movie being incorrect was that like, you know, they weren't really engaged and it was a publicity stunt for the film and the director came out and was very open about it, but it wasn't real. But they yeah. Didn't, um, in the Lifetime movie, they didn't say she was engaged. They addressed that the paparazzi was like on their dick about it. Um, and they oh, okay. would wear the rings off set. Like, um, they would just wear the rings off set, which I think was a little bit of a publicity thing, but also they were kind of secretly dating a little bit. So... I, I don't I don't think that the movie says that they're engaged. Um, she actually like actively denies it to a big paparazzi outside of what I think is the place where they record Dancing with the Stars. I think that's the location they use. Uh, the internet made it seem like it was like the top 20 things the Lifetime movie got completely wrong. Number one, the engagement. Like they made it seem like it was like this big... Oh, I'm going to find that list right now. <laughs> it's complete. I mean, there's a million of them. It's ridiculous. But... uh. Yeah, I figured so we can kind of start with Brittany around this like 2002 mark where like in the previous episode where I left off, like Brittany did kind of have like this, this really big head to toe, like literally head to toe makeover where she got really thin and she bleached her hair and capped her teeth and she had like some face work done. And uh, I wouldn't even call it a makeover if that's if that's okay to say. Like, I think that she, this, it's like, if, if being severely anorexic and like having a little bit of an identity crisis is that, is a makeover, right. um, then I guess that's, you know, one thing, but I, I like, you know, it was very sad for me as a old school fan of hers to watch, to see this quote unquote glow up. It was very, um, it was sad. It was taking a lot away from the heart of what we loved about her as an actress. Let me first, before we even really get into her, I want to ask you, because you mentioned something yesterday that I wanted you to kind of get into again, but like, what is your journey with Brittany Murphy? And like, when did you like become a fan of hers? Well, she's one of like my favorite actresses, if I'm being like totally real. I think she, I said to you yesterday, I feel like she, if she hadn't had this identity crisis, sort so to speak, where she felt like she needed to be like a lead female ingenue type character in a rom com, mm-hmm. um, which was a very fashionable type of celebrity at the time. Obviously, it still is, but um, she reminds me of someone like a Taryn Manning, who has a really long career of being, you know, not necessarily what you would consider like Hollywood average standard of beauty um just rather very uniquely beautiful mm-hmm. and um really really great at sort of like tearing apart a character like getting in there and tearing it apart um and i really you know i was not old enough to see clueless in a theater if anything the trailer made me think that it would be something that i wouldn't like because i was always like a little comedy snob um and i was like wow this looks like really lowbrow and um I went to a birthday party where we, one of the things we did was watch Clueless. We swam in the pool. We ate hot dogs and we watched Clueless. Um, oh, no, wait, we had Chinese food. I remember because the 
the host of the party was allergic to MSG. And that was the first time I found out about MSG. <laughs> so same day I watched the greatest movie of all time, Clueless, um, which is like obviously a very formative movie, I think just as being a young girl, but also like as a writer, like that was, that was one of those movies. Scream was one of those movies for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. that it like changed the way that I, it changed my standard. Right. right. So, um, after we watched it, um, I could tell my mom could tell by the way I talked about it, that it meant something to me. Um, and she was also very like, you know, I worked since I was 12, all of like any, my mom was very slim with like extra treats and spending money because being a single mom, but she took me to Costco and she bought me the clueless VHS and I watched it and I say, and I, this is not an exaggeration. Like there, my mother will say this from the day that I got that VHS up until about two years later, I watched that movie every single day. I would watch it after school every day while I did my homework. And then it would, you know, the VHS would rewind itself and start over again. And I would watch it almost two times a day, every single day for two years. Um, And it was just, it was like, it was, it just did something for me. It was like so many uh, amazing, explosive new performances. And, um, you know, obviously as, you know, sort of like a outsider myself in a lot of ways growing up being like a unique person, I guess, growing up compared to some of my classmates, um, I definitely related to Ty. And I just thought that her, um, you know, I was so into her journey and how like disappointing it was relatable with like, with that character where someone just kind of becomes a little bit of a monster and like hijacks her life. And, um, I also just like remember her performance being so funny, so iconic. You're a virgin who can't drive. Like the delivery, her delivery in that movie is unreal. And um, of course, she has a beautiful singing voice that we even just yes, oh my god, a piece of that Mentos jingle. Oh god, her voice is really good. Like I'm not even kidding. I hope we get to hear more of that. You know, I remember that moment. You should maybe include it because it's literally five seconds of her singing. But it's, I mean, when you were little, did you rewind that a lot? Because I remember like, I would rewind it and like sing with her because she sounded so good. Yes. Yeah. Oh, completely. I would, I would rewind that all the time. There were certain things that I, in that movie that I always rewinded like her, um, uh, her having sort of that meltdown after the Christian Bale movie fest mm-hmm. um, when they all sit schools and she's like, it's my hips, isn't it? Like <laughs> just so many lines she does that are just unreal. And um, yeah, so she really captivated me with that. And then, you know, since then, I would say the only other young actor that really got me like that was like a young Matt Damon in the rainmaker, which came out right before Goodwill hunting and I was like, whoever that man is, that is an actor I'm going to know for the rest of my life. Like, I'm going yeah. to seek out their work. And same thing with Brittany Murphy. I sought out her work. Um, she, you know, when she gets sort of more into the rom-com phase, I do think that Just Married was probably one of her first movies that I didn't see. Um, but yeah. People would say that. Yeah, this, this phase is like not for me. Yeah, I mean, like, Brittany Murphy has that thing, and I don't think that I mentioned this last week, but Brittany Murphy has this quality about her that is my favorite thing in a comedic female actress. Like, uh, But, like, mostly, in, for me, it's, like, um, it's queens. It's, like, 
the thing that I love about like Meryl when she's being funny or like a Diane Keaton, um, right? Or, like a Goldie. Like I, the thing about Britney is that she gets lost in a character, but you're also always hyper aware that it's Britney Murphy. And right. those like Britney nuances that you love, you look for and they come and you are so like, you're like literally rewarded with them. They're like treats. Yeah. And, but somehow you're still able to get lost in her character every time, even though you're always aware that it's her. And Can I, just I say definitely. something about like, just like, cause she's a fantastic comedic actress, but I think that that's informed by the fact that overall, she's just a fantastic actress. Like she's I feel incredible. like she, yeah, she's like almost as like a, like a Johnny Depp quality to her in that way where it's like, you could see her play the whole range. And then on top of that, like, you know, Brittany Murphy that we know in interviews and everything like that, like, I, I'll be honest with you, I'd be surprised if she understood all of the jokes that she was saying in Clueless, like the double meaning and everything right. else. And so it's like, and, and I've heard um, Deborah Messing is a lot like that too, where it's like, she doesn't have like a super advanced sense of humor, but she's able to just take that on and do something with it and become yeah. it. And I think that she had that X factor in all of her roles. But I, I do, my theory that I started yesterday is I think it's that very X factor that sort of um, got this Ashton Brittany relationship going in the first place. Yeah. And like, you know, the really sad thing about this specific time period, like I wrote in my notes that, like, you know, even though she in her mind felt like, she had come to this point in her career where she was like the name above the title. She was this, this star and she had finally made it. Um, in her mind, it was like, she, it was almost like she was being rewarded for having this head to toe, like, re- like <laughs> rejuvenation of her entire like soul. Um, when really like people didn't, it wasn't like, um, she wasn't like really rewarded by the public by, for doing that. If anything, she was beat up and it, set forth this whole like you know period of just horrible horrible press and you know her reactions to it i think i I mean like i can't imagine that that's what she was expecting what would happen because and i feel like you can tell that by her responses when people would ask her like you know are you eating are you anorexic do you have a drug problem there's rumors that you have a pill issue and her response was always like some blanket statement like oh it's you know i've lost baby weight people grow up you know what i mean it's like I don't think that she ever expected that the world would turn on her for doing this to herself, but like the reasons she was doing it were so transparent. It was just like hard to watch. Yeah. I think she really got poisoned. I think that she was a very sensitive girl. Yeah. Um, I really believe that. And you know, this is a really difficult this is a really difficult business for everyone. And like, I think that like part of the unfortunate part of fame is that you can't get rid of the famous part. Right. And like it, it looks like, I mean, it just seems like that. It just, I, I think that that really destroyed her. Um, you know, if that makes sense. No, for sure. I think, yeah, the fame part is like what people don't realize that they also have to kind of, ball and chain around you know what i mean like that's like the actual worst part of it um, yeah because the thing is is that like looking back retrospectively a lot of the rumors about her were really baseless um right. and maybe they were you know a lot of them were coming from the inside of course that always happens where 
you know, there's blind items or blah, 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 but the blind items really were what took her down. Right. And, um, they were, I, I just feel, I just feel like uh, as a blind item fan, I will say that that's the part where I start to wonder if they're just very cruel. Um, because you know, it's, I don't know. I just feel so, I feel like this girl really, really got the bad end of this stick in a way that I don't necessarily feel about everyone. Like I feel yeah. like a Lindsay Lohan, as much as I feel like she had a lot of inappropriate attention on her as a young girl, I understand why she like, right. threw, she threw out the, you know, the stakes in front of the pit bulls. Okay. But like Brittany Murphy, really didn't do anything except be very good at her job and exactly. become more high profile and people need that's never enough for people like unless it's Anne Hathaway and like even her people still dig it's never enough to hear about someone's personal life yeah and I think the really big difference between somebody like a Brittany Murphy aside from what you just said that she actually literally never really did anything aside from like just date guys and do her job um, and kind of just like hang out under the radar for the most part. Um, yeah. There is like a, there's a, I feel like there's a really big difference between there are girls like Brittany Murphy where for some reason it becomes fun to want to try and take them down. Like she's one of those girls that was celebrated for a long time and then something changes in the public where it's like, all right, well now let's fuck with her. Like, let's just. And we do that a lot less now. Yeah. Um, there was a whole period where that was just a trend where it was like just kind of blindly closing our eyes and then picking a random girl to just fucking yes. rip apart for no and reason. this was that period of like, you know, you could say it both ways. Like one, it was the Kitson era mm-hmm. where it was like, that was exactly this time. Um, and you could say, you know, this this was happening to all celebrities, but also it was, you only sort of went to those stores if you wanted to be seen. And so she was doing a little bit of that. Um, yeah. where she's kind of like wanting to be out there and in the magazines, but eventually that turns into the wrong reasons. Not so much anymore. Like you see that with like a Ben Affleck now, but like Ben Affleck really kind of walked himself into this. Brittany, right. there was never like video of her leaving a club blacked out. No, you know, never had words with the paparazzi. Like there was never like a thing that she did that I can think of. Um, no, not that would warrant like, you know, years of just relentless, like just, and I feel like with girls like her too, I think this is like a, also a thing that happened, like that happened with Britney Spears and something that I compared her a lot yesterday to Anna Nicole. I feel like it almost takes a while because these are people who are so used to being talked about that it takes them a minute to read the temperature in the room and be like, oh, this isn't just like a little bit of bad press. Like the world is actually kind of turning on me. I feel like it takes them a minute to even keep up with or to catch up with um, the current of like where, like what their name has become. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're aware of it way before they are. Oh, of course. Of course. Like it's, I, I think it's very difficult to conceive of your own fame. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, that you hear that anecdote over and over again. Um, and sometimes you can tell that the person's sort of saying that because they know they're supposed to, um, and they're like arrogant monsters. But um, it's always that moment of like, when was the first time you heard your like song on the radio? Oh yeah, um, because that all of a sudden that is very tangible. Yeah, um, the reason why they always use this device in Lifetime movies is they do show a mall tour. And they show, like, you know, basically people being mobbed at an event. Like, they did that in the 90210 movie and in the Full House movie. That is, like, what... 
is like the, it, it is that is exactly how to sh- for where a person realizes they're famous. Oh, you're so all right. Yeah, people are in front of them. Um, uh, but yeah, I uh, I don't think she ever had that really. You know, no. that was never. Uh, we never had a. We, you know, I'm sure she. It would be a big deal if she waved her hand on a float at the Thanksgiving parade or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that she ever really had this like moment of like, oh my god, it's Brittany Murphy, shut the house down. Yeah, and like she also, I wrote in my notes like, you know, it was a long time before Brittany actually just sort of like head on addressed her drug issues. I mean, um, she never really, really copped to it, but like for the most part, she would always just say that like it was, she'd never been around drugs. She'd never seen them. I mean, she would fully retreat, not even like, not even dip her toe in like where Lindsay used to say, like, I've seen people doing it and I, you know, it makes me sick or I I tried it once. She wasn't even copping to trying it. And uh, she said in this 2001 interview that she did with the rap.com, this interviewer who I guess thought he was being funny Uh, He asked her if she'd ever tried meth. Um, And this is just like a really good example of the press sort of turning on her because that's insane. Yeah, Um, because this was also during the Jordash junkie era, mm -hmm. which we can get more into that in a little bit. But like, just so you know, there was a lot of talk around Brittany Murphy and drugs. Like a lot. So like, I'm assuming that that's where this question came from, Uh, you know. As inappropriate as it is, I, there was like for some reason she had drugs attached to her name. Oh yeah, and everybody wanted to be the one like the exclusive that finally got the quote where she admits to doing something. Um, but he said it was an interview about sidewalks in New York or something. He said I asked her about other projects and she mentioned Spun. Uh, columnist Michael Adams recalled for the website. I asked her as a joke if she had taken meth to research for the role. She laughed and. Um, she laughed and said, even if I wanted to, I couldn't take any drugs ever because I've had a heart condition since I was a little girl. Um, which is like actually sad for like a million different reasons, but it just kind of shows you like that was her, that was her showing up to a press junket. Like that was her showing up to a red carpet. Like those were her questions. Hey, Brittany Murphy, you tried meth? You know yeah. I mean? like, and I think that, you know, I was watching that David Letterman or that Jay Leno interview yesterday. And I also watched a Letterman one. And like, you know, I'll be honest with you and say that like growing up, I would laugh at sort of like the way that the hosts would sort of like alienate the celebrity um, right. and make them seem like the weirdo. Like, sure. But watching it now as an adult, especially to look back on some of the people that are no longer with us or their life has gone terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um it's really sad. It's really, really important to me to watch how they were framed by this person. Right. Um, and Brittany was very giggly. I don't think she was meant for the talk show circuit at all. I just don't think that that was her. I don't, you know, similar to like a Deborah Messing type person, which I'm not comparing them all at act as at all as actresses, but like, you know, you're not going to see Ty from Clueless in this interview because that's yeah. not how she is. She's a totally different person. Um, and I don't think that she was comfortable doing it. And when someone is giggly or someone does have like unique anecdotes or you can tell in real life, probably this person talks to their mom and like two other people, um, you, you know, she, she did seem out of it a little bit, but I don't think she was. I think that she, I think, you know, um, who else does it? Uh, oh, I was noticing, um, you know, Jenna Marbles from the internet, right? Yeah. Okay. Like, if you ever see her in someone else's video outside of like her and her boyfriend, she becomes like steel. 
she becomes like really like it's very difficult to penetrate her. She's not as easy to laugh. Um, she's very straightforward, and it's jarring to see because she's so sweet and and loving and giggly in her own videos. Um, and I just don't. I think that she's someone that she just didn't come across the same in an interview. Um, she didn't seem like the girl from the movie, you know, and that. Yeah. I think that that was like her big curse with the drug thing. Um, besides the insane weight loss, um, she just has always been a little bit more like erratic and silly in interviews, not necessarily because of drugs or something, just her personality. Right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, some people just don't lend themselves to um, being interviewed. People, some people just aren't good at it. And it's funny because there are some people who need to be interviewed all the time. Like Sarah Jessica Parker is really bad at being interviewed. She's just iconically terrible at interviews. She's not. Yeah, because she's odd. She's odd. She's a. She's a. She's an odd person, and she talks in a way that lends itself to like a, a conversation while you're like laying in bed and like having girl time, but like on a chair on a like a a talk show where you have five minutes to plug a movie she just can't you know she's in yeah she doesn't have it um and it's 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 funny because i have long felt that like the television talk show format with the, the way that they interview celebrities i feel like you could fill that time with so much more interesting stuff and oh don't God. worry People are still going to see movies. I have never, I've said it before, I'll say it again, and I hate to repeat myself if people have heard this. I've never walked away from a TV interview and been like, outside of like wanting to listen to a person's music because I heard it on TRL, I have never heard a movie star talking on a show and thought, God, I need to see their movie. No. Not supposedly why that supposedly they're there to plug their movie. Um, but it just, it's like, it's so awkward and embarrassing. And this thread is going around today on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but it's like all journalists sort of talking about the worst Q and a question they've ever heard asked by either another journalist or an audience Q and a, um, and it's mortifying. It's like absolutely mortifying. And it's another thing that makes me wonder why do they have to do this? Why does everyone have to drag their ass down to Comic-Con to, pr- like, to promote the movie that everyone's going to fucking see anyway? Because it's like the big summer popcorn movie. Like, if they did all indie movies, that might be interesting. Then you're going to meet some cool people, like when they would have Harmony Corinne on in the, back in the day, you know? Um, but it's, uh, it's like very antiquated and, and uncomfortable for me to watch as a viewer. And to the other side of it, like, let's look at someone who's supposedly very good at these interviews, Jennifer Lawrence. Like now our entire half of our country is like so fucking over her. And like, and I, I mean, I don't jump to see a Jennifer Lawrence movie anymore. There was a long time where I was like, wow, like a Brittany Murphy where I was like, wow, I got to show up and see what this chick is in. She's great. And now I just kind of, she's an eye roll when I see her. I feel like she needs yeah. to take a couple of years off, you know? But that's because she's been going on Jimmy Fallon and doing like, you know, playing fucking musical chairs and shit for, like, for years. It's like, I, that's the thing that drives me crazy is like, it's like we are still trying to push this antiquated format of late night television and, and also daytime and just talk shows in general. But then we're trying to incorporate these like viral moments because Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon can't have a, a day without having some fucking viral video of Miley Cyrus doing like spit takes or whatever. Yeah. And, Cause I always think the best, most viral moments are like when like Trevor Noah broke the other night and just wasn't reading off the teleprompter. Yes. Then, yes. You know, those are great moments to me. 
And I just feel like at this point, from like a PR perspective, it's a lose-lose situation. Like we probably wouldn't have been sick of Jennifer Lawrence. No. Brittany Murphy probably wouldn't have been bullied to her grave. Like it's just, uh, it's just like another thing that sort of supports that whole conversation. And then on top of that, like, you know, the, the hosts, like who are all doing their job and, and usually pretty like, you know, whatever they're, they're good at their job. Um, and by the way, I think the other thing too is fakeness. I don't think Brittany Murphy had fakeness in her. Agreed. So, so like showing up and having a, an unnatural conversation um, was already sort of a, a, a hard thing for her. But it seems like a lose lose to me um, for both the for for everyone because like the, the, these um, these hosts will sit there and they'll dog on the paparazzi. They'll be like, "Oh, the paparazzi keep getting you out, huh?" Mm-hmm. Oh, the paparazzi, and it's like, "Dog, you're the paparazzi." I know, for real. <laughs> you know, like you're yeah. like basically you're just a papar- paparazzi person who's like funny. And like, you know, good on camera, but like you also are doing the same. You're creating more of that when you pick these people apart, you know? Yeah. And the really sad thing, I mean, to kind of like piggyback off of what you're saying is that Brittany Murphy did inevitably become a liability to the studios because of the rumors surrounding her and, you know, the talk around her name and all of these things that at one time we loved about her, that she had this like sort of quirky, weird, bubbly personality and her laugh and, you know, all of like, she was like sort of ditzy and flighty and funny. Um, Those all became reasons for the press to kind of come after her and question her stability, um, which made her, a, a recluse and um again it's like you said it's because these celebrities get trotted out on these interviews and they're forced to do these stupid things and talk about all this bullshit um and it's it's sad like it's sad that like like you said earlier she never really did anything like she wasn't doing anything different than what she was doing before going on a talk show and giggling you know what i mean a couple years before it worked and now it's like oh she's giggling because she's high as shit Right. And like, yeah, the, the blind item culture for those of you guys who like weren't really, cause I still have people ask me a lot if I, what blind items are, which is shocking to me. Um, but basically blind items are items of celebrity gossip that are too, um, juicy. Um, and by that, I mean like illegal, uh, to publish because they are crazy claims. Um, and people usually don't dispute them because if they were to, um, it would come out in discovery if they were lying or not. Right. right. So, um, she was really tagged with this, with this thing, Jordash junkie. Um, and I'll look up some of those blinds while we're talking, but just so like, like she was considered to have gone under two names at one point, which Ted Casablancas, this guy who ran the blind items at E. Um, he never did that. So people would always, so a lot of stuff got associated with her that wasn't true at all. It was also incredibly widely read by people in the entertainment industry. I didn't know anyone who didn't read his column. Um, and Ted Casablanca is like, has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. Like I found him on Twitter the other day and he has like 600 followers or something very like, I just don't know where he went. Um, like, it's actually, like, it, it, to even hear you say his name, like, brings back a lot of memories, but it's, like, I haven't heard that name in so many years. Well, it makes me wonder what the fuck happened, you know? I know. Like, I, it really makes me wonder what happened. Um, but Jordash Junkie, now, this was so thinly veiled. She was the spokesperson 
for um, Jordash at the time. And that deal was huge for her. Yeah. And um, it was like, you know, a huge campaign. They were bringing back Jordash. Uh, Carol, Carol Radzewell was the fit model for it. Okay? <laughs> so um, basically like, Jordash Junkie was because this person was allegedly a heroin addict. Um, and right away, like, I mean, it was so thinly veiled. Like, yeah, that in and of itself felt illegal to me. Yeah. Um, but people started to take it as fact. And it was a very heavily circulated thing. Like, to this day, um, people talk about Toothy Tile, um, who was widely, to believe, widely believed to be Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I just, uh, I think that the blind item culture, as much as I love blind items, this really, really, I mean, she got fired over these rumors. Yeah. And like, it was just such a different time because when a blind item came out, it was like, I mean, now when a blind item comes out, it takes, you know, three or four minutes for the internet to have figured it out based on, you know, one minute of research. Like in the early 2000s, when a blind item would come out, it just, it was different. Yeah. It was just different. Yeah. It was slower. It was like a slow burn. Now it's like that shit goes up in flames in one minute. You know what I mean? It's like, there, it takes no time for everybody's a, every, everybody does like um, historical fucking pop culture research now from their phones. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was a very, it's, it's hard to like describe that time to anyone who wasn't living it. Yeah. You know, because like the scale of it, I mean, because it was so bad at this time, it's changed the way that we interact with media, that we handle media. Yeah. Like back then, it wasn't illegal to show up on the lawn of a celebrity's kid's school. And, right. you know, and like that stuff is more the, you know, the press really shies away from it. They like have a level of respect now because a certain amount of intrusion is very declassé, declassé. But like, if you'll remember, like Britney Spears, they published that photo um, of her coming out of, uh, a car with uh, period blood all over yeah. her underwear, and they would publish like um, a picture of Miley Cyrus's leg um, looking like smushed, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, is this a Miley crotch shot?" And first of all, she was underage at the time, and secondly, be like, "No, it's a piece of her fucking leg folded." Like, yeah. you know? Yeah, that and like, um, I mean, even just like the car chase era of like running celebrities off the road. Like, I remember reading in when I did the Pam and Tommy Lee episode, like when Pam had her first, um, I want to say it was a miscarriage. It was her first miscarriage. Like the paparazzi were trying to hit her ambulance off the road. I mean, it's just like, it's hard for people who are too young to live during that, to like really like have been able to pick up a magazine at a, you know, at a, in a gas or a gas station or something and read it. Like, I mean, these people were actual pieces of meat. Like we did not view them as human beings at all. No, I mean, like we treated our most favorite celebrities the way that, you know, what's so funny. I was thinking about this the other day, like when, when, um, the way that the Vanderpump Rules cast like fights back with, with people online. I'm like, do you understood that like Snooki walked so you could fly? Like, do you have any idea what the fuck people did to Snooki? Like, oh my God, was made fun of. 
ruthlessly for years. Like literally people would be like, I don't know, someone ugly, like fucking Snooki. Like that was like okay to say back then. Yeah. And I'm like, what's the worst thing people are saying about people on Vanderpump now? Like critiquing something they actually did um, or accusing them of having poor motivations, which they often do. Like yeah. it just kills me because I'm like, do you understand? Like this was Snooki time. This was like when people would just make fun of this young girl, male, woman, young, old, everyone in this nation was blasting Snooki. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, even it's honestly, it's so recent that we changed though. Even as recent as like Honey Boo Boo, who was a uh, five-year-old girl. Like at the time of the show was like, she was like seven. And yeah. it was like any reference for like a hillbilly or somebody fat, you would like reference them as Honey Boo Boo. And, like, also, like, that was only, like, 2013 or something. Like, we had already started to improve by the time that happened. Yes, that was the better version of us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I Um, mean, we still give Mama June a hard time. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to say I personally do not give Mama June a hard time as I've never even seen this show. But (laughs) I know enough to know that we give her a hard time. Something I also wanted to mention that I feel I have a responsibility to bring up just because it helps... Uh, I don't know, make the story more, well, more well-rounded as far as Britney's drug abuse. Um, so right after Britney filmed Clueless, she was involved in this like head-on collision car accident that caused her head to go through a windshield. And for her whole life, she had like chronic chronic jaw pain her jaw literally unhinged from her face so yeah. she had this like really super chronic jaw pain and that's where she was like really introduced to prescription pills and obviously it escalated throughout the years but like i told you yesterday that it reminded me of like an anna nicole situation um because anna was introduced to pills uh because her implants ripped open um obviously two completely different people and they're like using drugs to cope completely different reasons but like you know it's it's sad when you can kind of literally trace back like a single moment in a celebrity's career that would inevitably be the thing that would like kind of kill them yeah i mean that's like kind of gut-wrenching yeah i mean um i'm looking at crazy days and nights right now and there's a thing that the uh, crazy days and nights is like basically like a premier celebrity blind item gossip blog that's been up for 12 years it's like sort of um it's like one of its own in its own category and um he, you know, the, the guy who writes society is an entertainment lawyer. He goes by empty. Um, and he said, you know, in his post about her dying was like, one of the things that sucked is like one, she was really, really fucking talented. And two, um, it was very obvious that she was trying to straighten herself out. Like she'd be kind of fucked up one movie, then she'd be fine for the next. And I do think that Britney was someone, you know, to the Anna Nicole comparison, I think that they were both addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I think that, like, Britney really... Um, I think Anna liked it. I think Anna loved... Yeah. Like, the, the like she loved it. She loved the Coke. She loved the pills. She loved the booze. Oh, you're so right. And Britney, I feel like it was like she reluctantly had this addict in, inside of her and oh you're so right you know what i mean like anna always anna was always amping it up and britney just didn't have that to her and i think that you know everyone addiction is possible in anyone some people are more predisposed to it um and i think that she you know she did probably didn't want to be like this you know it's like yeah. i feel like 
that's also a thing that you hear with like pain. I mean, it's addictive. It's a drug that you're given by a doctor. Um, and then you become addicted to it. And that's why it's such a huge problem in this country. And I feel like out of all the people I've heard use like, in a, like, um, in interviews or whatever, I feel like pill addicts are the ones that do it with the least amount of pleasure. Like yeah. for a lot of heroin addicts and meth addicts, it's like, it's ritualized and they have a thing that they do that they like, that they sort of get off on it. Um, and they're excited for their drugs. I feel like painkillers, people are like, I just want to stop fucking taking these, you know? You're so right. Cause like, yeah, I mean like Anna Nicole was somebody who was just chasing the dragon. Like she, Anna Nicole like loved her life. You know what I mean? She loved being Anna Nicole and not Vicky Lynn. And I feel like, it's like such a weird thing because Brittany Murphy was somebody who was celebrated for being herself and then um, cr- like criminalized for being herself for no reason. Whereas right. like Anna Nicole was somebody who was hated herself and then was celebrated for turning into somebody different and just lived in that. And Well, Anna also didn't seem to suffer for her reputation too much. I mean, obviously it did catch up to her at a certain point um, and like affected her career in a lot of ways. But... I don't think that she really had high expectations for her career in the first no. place. Mm-mm. And so, um, you know, being drunk in front of the paparazzi, if that was like what she was known for, she's still gorgeous. She's still got it. All she's right. got to do is show up and be pretty. Um, and uh, Brittany Murphy is someone who I think really cared about her craft. Yeah, you know? for sure. And, and loved what she did. And, and obviously acting requires so much more than modeling in, in the sense of like showing up and being present and being like, you know, you're giving everything over. That's why acting, it's so hard and my hat's off to anyone who does it. You're giving everything over and that's not easy, you know? Yeah. And I wrote down this, um, I wrote, well, I, I read um, an interview yesterday, uh, it was a Days Magazine interview where Robert Allen Ackerman, who worked with Britney right before she died, talked about how difficult it was to work with her like during this specific time because she was so devoted to her craft and she wanted to be a good actor and she wanted the projects that she was working on to be successful and make money um, and like elevate her more. But at the same time, like she couldn't get out of her own head. Like she had been sort of tormented to the point of kind of losing herself. Like she had kind of lost her mind. Um, he, you know, said that she she had a really hard time focusing. Um, he would have to like literally like snap her fingers and sometimes like hold her face and like look into her eyes to really engage with her and get her to like take in what he was saying. Um, and you know, he also mentioned that she did have this very childlike energy because she was somebody who had never you know, managed her own money or had a bank account or driven a car or lived by herself. And she was kind of... She also had sort of a stunted childhood. Um, You know, her mom, she kind of put... Her mom kind of put her to work at a very young age. Her mom was basically involved in a pyramid scheme. um, And she would have to call um, people and, like, everyone who put their name in a a fishbowl or whatever for, um, you know, a a free house cleaning or a free trip every single person would win quote unquote. And so she would, um, her mom would basically put her on the phone and, you know, she would have to, I, she would try and get these people to sign up for these parties where they would sell basically like a newlywed starter kit. The whole goal was to try and get like a, a young bride, um, who needs a whole bunch of shit for her house. Um, and like, so Brittany was like basically like running this scheme part time with her mom so that she could, you know, get the money that she needed to, you know, get to LA. 
and like I know that I mentioned this yesterday and or last week, um, but like the, there's a really big divide in how people feel about Brittany Murphy's relationship with her mother and yeah even just like entertainment people who've worked in the industry who worked with her like um costume designers from clueless and just different people they'll describe it as really sweet and that they love that you know they would call each other soulmates and that they were but people even the people who thought it was sweet described it as sort of abnormally close and then there are people who say like you know that her mom was hypercritical and that a lot of her insecurities did come from her mom being the kind of woman who would kind of like you know pinch her daughter's love handles and say like "Uh oh what's that you know she was that woman um and you know she had never not lived with her mom she kind of she had retired from her career a couple times to help her mom battle cancer and you know they just they were obsessed with each other in a way that is you know we're both only children like it can go there easily it can easily go there and it can easily get weird like there definitely was like a push-pull sort of represented in the movie as like you know um they were very, they grew up best friends, you know, young mom and, and their only child, you grow up best friends. You're in the same, under the same roof all the time. And then yep. when Brittany bought, she bought her first little house. I think it was like a little house in Sherman Oaks. Um, that would probably cost a few million now. Um, and she, um, she, it was like a nice little modest house though. She had got it when she was doing Drexel's class, which was the show she did after Clueless. And um, right when she started to get around this phase, the rom-com phase, right before Just Married, um, she wound up buying Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake's old house, which is ultimately the house she winds up dead in. And there's a lot of rumors and and stuff circulating around that, of course. Um, In particular with her mom, um, people suspecting that maybe the mom was poisoning them slowly or something like that because she and her much, much older husband died you know, of the same thing, which is there's no way that, that there's just no way. Right. It's really weird. He's like a 50 year old man. She's this young girl. These symptoms are, are the same. That's strange. So, um, I will say that like Enti's like take on Sharon was that she was terrifying. Um, but, but when, when, uh, when Brittany bought the house, the Justin Timberlake house or whatever, she, she was demanded her mom move in her mom was like she's like i'm basically only buying this if you come over and she's like don't you want some independence sort of like that was supposedly vibe her mom pushed for independence and then you know gave in so of course the fact that britney's mom was very ill though i think you know when you're only when the only person you you've known and loved your whole life is terminally ill right like with breast cancer um I, I think it was, it, we talked about this yesterday. You pointed out it's a little bit like Gypsy, Gypsy Rose Lee or whatever, or Gypsy, yeah. Rose, uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Like, like when both people are sick, you really, you really like, the, it just adds like another layer of codependence. And if, if like on top of any sort of like natural, um, natural sort of magnet it has you have towards that behavior anyway you know for sure and um another thing that i i mentioned to you yesterday that i just think is important to i don't know just to acknowledge like for somebody who was beaten up so bad in the press and who had such a hard time and i would imagine um during this period in her life like had so many people kind of mistreat her um in different ways like you can't really help but wonder what 
you know, when you talk about Brittany Murphy, you can't help but wonder what she would be doing or what actresses kind of maybe wouldn't even exist because Brittany was still there to kind of fill her own personal spot and whatever. And I just wonder like what, like a post Me Too movement world would have looked like for Brittany Murphy. Not to say that like I can, you know, 100% guarantee that Brittany Murphy was like touched inappropriately or whatever, which I'm sure she was. But like, um, even just like mentally, I mean like mentally what she was put through by, she was such an insecure girl and so um, like, uh, just so open to the criticism of this industry at every moment, just like taking every single bit of it in and so desperate at a certain point to be liked and to be like a headliner. You know what I mean? Like not a headliner. You know what I think of her is like, she's a lamb. Like I just, you she's a lamb. Like that's the kind of girl that you would say that about. Like she is, um, you know, like, first of all, a lot of the drugs she was on are also, you know, um, great at inducing paranoia. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, she really, it was like, she could feel people talking around her about her all the time. I think she was very sensitive to energy. I think, you know, it was, and and by the way, most very good actors are like on a heightened sensitivity. Um, So I think like in a, in a weird way, like she like was the best at this job, but this job was not the best for her, you know, but there was nothing else that she should have been doing, but right. Like it just, it it was so, it's so sad. It's so sad. Yeah. And she's also not wrong and being paranoid about people, like everybody around her talking about her because they were, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's even more sad that like her feelings were actually very justified. Like it wasn't something where she was just crazy. Like people, you know, per- perceived her to be at the time, like she was the topic of conversation and, and people had a lot of really negative shit to say about her. Um, but do you want to kind of just like dabble and you want to dip our toe in Ashton a little bit? Sure. Okay. So I mentioned to you yesterday that I've talked at nauseum on this podcast about that 70 show, which is so weird. Cause it's not a show that really means anything to me. I mean, like, I've, I've like, I can't, I've never made it through an episode. Could yeah, it like, <laughs> to me? shocked that it's in syndication i that it had two spinoffs like it is <laughs> you're right i forgot about that yeah i mean that said like i know that obviously it must be a good show people love it but I, I i have i've had never had less of a relationship with a te- television program it's like it's so odd to me that i've talked about it so much i mean honestly in with like the wilmer episodes i've done like five of those so far um Mila, I've talked about Ashton a couple times. Like that 70s show has been beat to death. So I figured we could just like kind of pick up. And what I actually find to be a really fascinating time in Ashton Kutcher's life. Like, wait, can I say the one thing that I do know about him? Yeah. That he has a twin that is not attractive. <laughs> in my mind, I refer to him as like his twin is like his Tom Schwartz brother. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, exactly. You know what and I mean? Like, exactly and like by the way there are tons of celebrities that have unremarkable twins like tons um like scarlett johansson has a twin did you know mm-hmm. that it's, it's a guy so obviously yeah. he was gonna look different than her anyway but to me it can be so wild i know fraternal twins the in essence the whole point of it is that they look different but um it, it's uh it's like it's 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 crazy how not like Ashton Kutcher. He, he got, he, everything that Ashton got from whatever side of the family he got it from, his brother got it from the other side. 
Yeah. Wait, didn't you say that you read that his brother, like, that Ashton, like, stole all of his brother's nutrients or something? No, I was telling a story about how my, um, my college boyfriend. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, his, the, the yeah. umbilical cord got wrapped around the, um, his twin brother's neck um, for, like, the last month of the pregnancy. So the guy I was with, Matt, he ate all of their food for the last month. So Matt was like bigger than him or an inch or two around in every way. Like his face was like an inch bigger. His body, he was two, two inches taller. And I was like, oh my God. When I found that out, I was like, oh my God, is that why Dan is like so much smaller? And everyone in the family looked at me like, no shit, bitch. Also, we don't address that. <laughs> but like when we broke up, I literally was like, you have always been a selfish person since you were in the fucking womb. Like... So, um, yeah, but just don't date twins. Like if you, if you, no, it's like, honestly, thing. it's weird. It's very weird. It's a whole thing. Like, I feel like the only people who actually can successfully date twins is other twins. Yeah. It has to, or it's like, it's like, or their brother, like two brothers, mm-hmm. older and younger married the same twin. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. feel like those are the stories you hear about a lot. Um, and, and by the way, like, I will say, I think it takes either a very, uh, tuned out person from their own emotions or a very, very emotionally generous person to deal with all that comes along with like, sort of like the biological bond of, of twins. Like yeah. you will never be that person's number one ever. No, it's something that you don't, and like, you're not like, who knows how to navigate that? Like, you're not just like, there's no person who's just ineptly good at you navigating need to be the supremely, supremely mature and yeah. wise, or that has to be your kink. Like, yeah. yes. you know, and I think it is a kink for a lot of people. I do too. I do too. Like in a lot of ways, mentally, sometimes more than like sexually, I really do. It's so interesting to think though of like, you know, people always say like the old, like when, when you get older, couples grow apart. The guy's not as attracted. It be, it's so funny to think of a guy like doubling down on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like either he's so fucking turned on by this bitch for his entire ass life. Or like all of a sudden he's just like, wow, I guess like, you know, neither of them are that special. I should have yeah. played the field a bit more. Like this isn't even fun to look at anymore. Like you have two people that you're kind of not interested in that are the exact same person. That's like I can't I can't. It's like too much for me to even think about. Yeah. Um, but no, I was gonna say that I think that this era of Ashton's life is really fascinating because it's like, you know, he was four years into that 70s show, so he's like super you know, super famous at this point. Um, but he's like that kind of new fame where people are just excited to like love Ashton. He's done Dude Where's My Car? And um He's a year away from producing and starring in Punked. So, like, he's right in that sweet spot of, like, becoming the Ashton that was, like, an aesthetic in the early 2000s, which, like, I don't think people really talk about a lot, but, like... Oh, he, like, invented the trucker hat. He really did. Yeah, that was, like, that all came from, like, all of the terrible pictures of Britney or whatever else. People, like, you know, even I forget. As I'm saying it, I'm reminding myself, he was very much like a trendsetter for that time in Hollywood. Um, And I will say you started to talk about this yesterday about how self-aware he is and bright. Um, And I will say that like that sort of all went out the window for me when, 
he decided he could play Steve Jobs just <laughs> on Twitter really early. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people felt like that, honestly. They're like, okay, we're kind of done. Like, you're done. You've had your Like, time. yeah. It's like, okay, now we've, okay, we were, like, excited for you to achieve and to make, break boundaries by, like, the way you sort of, like, got on Twitter really early and we're an advocate for all that. Like, no, 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 honey. The, the line is Steve Jobs. Like, <laughs> like, this is the one. He could have literally played yeah. anyone else. He could have played fucking Elvis and I wouldn't have batted an eye. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't feel like Steve Jobs is like, you know what? How about this? How about there just shouldn't be a movie about Steve Jobs? Like, it's just too weird. It's like, we also don't know enough about him. It seems like the guy was like a pretty like psychotic dude, right? Um, I don't know, man. I just... uh. I will say that, like, I think Ashton is a very good businessman. Um, and I think that a lot of that comes from having always been, um, you know, just, like, kind of true to his Midwest roots. I think that he probably... You see that with certain celebrities that are from, like, very non-Hollywood families. Like, some people are just very good. They get very good with their money very quick. Yeah, They start to invest. They start to think outside the box. And, like what he was able to do in creating punks, like, you know, his start catalyst, which was like his sort of, um, you know, it was almost like a Kanye West style, like think tank over there where they were producing TV shows. I, um, what was the one that they asked me to try out for? I did a tryout for one. Um, oh, oh my God. It was so, it was so, um, was it an MTV show? No. Well, hold on. It was for, um, Come on, what was the word for the economic crisis that happened? What was the word? Uh, re- recession? Recessionistas. Recessionistas is what, what it was called. <laughs> and it was for, like, girls like me. Like, I was supposed to be, like, if it was Queer Eye, like, I'd be one of the guys. Like, and what? so my job was to, like, go, like, it would be, like, me and, like, three other girls going in and basically, like, telling a poor girl um, take it from three other poor girls. Like, you know, you can still like ball out what? on a budget. Like, yeah. And that, I forgot. I, I totally, I think that if I did an NDA of that, that would be expired by now. Anyway, it was like 12 years ago or no, it wasn't 12. It was probably like eight years ago or something. Um, but like I had made a name for myself blogging and like, you know, doing YouTube videos and stuff like that. So people knew of me as the side hustle girl. Cause I always was like preaching the side hustle. Like, I'll be honest with you. I think I might've invented the term side hustle. I've never, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 when I Googled it, I never, I never came up with anything. Cause I wrote a post called side hustles, like on my Tumblr and it was really, really short. And it just was like, you have to be working. Like, even if you have a job, you got to be working your side hustle. So that like got some traction and they kind of brought me in for recessionistas. And by the way, I'm, I'm kidding. I don't really, think I invented that. I know the girl who invented the expression, um, the woman rather, the expression muffin top. Um, but yeah. First of all, the name recessionistas is like so jarring to me. I can't even like, I, I'll never forget you telling me this. When I was at Two Broke Girls, like I remember like saying to them like, yeah, like, you know, what was this recession? What was that thing you tried out for? And I was like, oh, it's a show called recessionistas. <laughs> and you were like, They were like, Molly, that's like really insulting. (laughs) They were like, that's just like such an insulting name. And I was like, yeah, I was like, that occurred to me. Like it was like two years after when I, so my NDA would definitely be expired. Um, And I I seriously doubt Recessionistas is going to come back um, (laughs) because it is really tacky. Um, 
but they were like, so like what were the, part of the audition is saying like, if you met a girl who, you know, she doesn't have like nice furniture in her apartment, like what would you, um, or like, they'd be like, if you meet a girl who wants to get, um, her business off the ground, what would you do? And I would be like, and this was before like people were really pitching this. I was like, she should start a Twitter account and go viral. And like, you know, it's like, <laughs> So, and everyone went at the show when I was telling them this, they were laughing. They were like, Molly, your, your way for this girl to improve her life is to somehow become famous. They were like, most people can't do that. They were, I was like, well, yeah, everyone can do that. They're like, no, Molly, you think that's way that way. And that's why you work here. But no one else thinks that way. Like saying to someone, you know, you should like handle it. Just get famous. Like, Which is ironic because now, like, every person with a cell phone thinks that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, is it okay if I um, eat a pretzel stick while you keep talking? I'll put it on mute. No, yeah, that's fine. Okay, I just, like, need a, but I'll unmute when sure. I have a deep thought. Well, I was going to say that I think um, it's, like, it's hilarious to me that we, you know, for the early, in the early 2000s, like, to say that Ashton was killing it is, like, an understatement. Like, he really, he really, like, left his mark and... Looking back to me, it's really funny that we, you know, we were very dim-witted. The one thing that I've picked up from doing this podcast is that in the early 2000s, we were just a very dim-witted society. We didn't pick up on things very quickly. It, we, need to, we needed to be, like, shepherded towards the answers. And with Ashton, it's like, it took us a good 10 years to figure out that he actually was trolling us and that he wasn't this, like, dim-witted goofy hot idiot he was actually pretty fucking smart and he really had his finger on the pulse of what was going on as far as like media and technology and like youth culture like he just like knew what the fuck was going on but we thought he was his character from that 70s show for a good decade you know um i have a i have a question about all this because there's something about someone that can do that very well that is concerning to me as a person that's like, I could never pull that off. Uh, (laughs) You know, I would say there's there's probably a lot of people out there that underestimate me. um, But there's also a lot of people out there that overestimate me. Um, So that said, like in a, in a weird way, like, you know, I haven't really ever heard a bad word about the guy like around town. Not that I would probably disclose that if I did, but like truly like I'll go out of the way to say, I've never really heard a bad word about him, but, um, that January Jones anecdote, which he's never denied, uh, yeah. and I think is addressed maybe briefly, um, about how when they were dating, he told her like, you know what, honestly, this isn't a business for you. I don't think you're good enough and you should probably not act. Um, oh, and, yeah, broke yeah, yeah. Up and she got Mad Men shortly after or whatever. Um, and her career really like took off. Um, you know, and she's not a gr- she's not a great actress, um, no, but she's yeah. a beautiful young woman. And I just always thought that that was like so. Um, there was something so disappointing about that to me. Like it was so. Um, there's something cruel and, and unnecessary about it. Um, yeah, and it sounded like the way that she said it. It sounded like it wasn't said in a in a moment of like cruelty. It sounds like this is just sort of a conversation they had, um, and that freaks me out. Um, it makes me sad um, because it makes me wonder if like there's a deep fakeness to him going on. Um, oh, like for who's, sure. who's running? You know who's running the ship? I'm not saying that like 
the dude's a sociopath or something, but it, it does, it, when someone's um, clever like that, like I feel like John Mayer's a little bit like that too. It gives me the heebie-jeebies. I it agree. It really does. I get what you're saying now. It's, it, it's, a, it's a look into their manipulative, how, how good they are at manipulating and like uh, snake exactly. charming people. He's a snake charmer. Like, yeah, because it's like this great guy that like all, all I've ever heard is people love him um, and think he's really smart. Um, but then he also is the same guy who's capable of saying this like really shitty thing. But he also is the same guy that made us think that he was a big bimbo ditz for years. And it is strange because he was just found like, wasn't he found working at like an Abercrombie or something? Like, yeah, he was, he wasn't destined. Like he was living in Ohio working at an Abercrombie. Yeah. Like, how did he catch up so quickly? Like, cause I mean, you okay. Know? You and I have talked a lot about like, um, like how scary it is to be in a relationship with a quote nice guy like Jason Hoppy. And yeah. the one thing that I think is even worse than the nice guy is like like the funny guy, a guy like um Ashton who's been told his whole life that he's funny and cute and he relies one hundred percent on being funny, goofy and cute. And people have overlooked every negative thing he's ever done because he's funny and goofy and cute. And you know what I mean? I would imagine. Well, yeah, that's Justin. You also like just described Justin Timberlake. Like if I closed my eyes and you read me that description, the first person who would come to mind is Justin Timberlake. And honestly, being married to him seems like the most fucking exhausting thing. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Like sit down, pick a, I'm sorry. My dog is just like, what do you want? Stop it. it. He's just like tap dancing on me. I'm afraid he's going (laughs) to, he always, he shut the computer off quite a bit. Sit down, Wags, pick a lane. I don't have any... Oh, you see my pretzel stick. Fuck. He's a girl. You know what I'm after. I, I actually had no idea, you little sociopath. Give me the goods let me walk away. Wags hates two things in this life. Fish and pretzels. He's never eaten them. Every time I have pretzels, he's like, please, like, I want one of those crunchies. And then, like, he'll, he'll just leave it. Like, he won't, even, he won't even touch it. I'll be stepping on pretzels for days. Same thing. I've, like, made beautiful salmon fillets for myself before with, like, shit I bought from Whole Foods. And, like, this motherfucker's like, give me a bite, give me a bite. And I'm like, fine. And then he, I'll give him a little, like, sl- sliver of the fish. Like, a little, like, you know, whatever they call those things when this fish flakes apart. Yeah. I'll give him a little piece, right? Um, and then he'll come back. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll give him another little piece. And then I'll get up and I'll see there's fucking salmon all over my bedroom floor. And that this motherfucker's just been taking it upstairs like it's a prop. Like, it's, he's crazy. <laughs> Maybe you don't like pretzels, you don't like salmon. <laughs> Maybe it's an Aries sense. thing. It's an Aries thing because you know me and Wags have the same birthday. So, and I don't like. That's true. I love seafood, but I'm a, I hate pretzels, and it's like a really big point of contention for me when I go out to dinner with people because yeah. there's a hot pretzel option. Like every girl loves. I'm always going out to dinner. I love women. a fucking pretzel. And girls love pretzels. It's a thing. Like like girls love a hot pretzel. It's like there's something about the hot pretzel that hot cold. Give me a pretzel. I'll yeah. eat it. Girls love pretzels, and I'm always like, bitch, I don't want a pretzel. But I'm the only person who doesn't like them. Yeah, I mean, it does get out of control at restaurants when it's got like the cheese and shit. Like, uh, and it's like hanging from a hook. I'm like, I can't. I straight, I straight up will, though, like, dip a pretzel stick into Dijon mustard at my house. Like, I love that. <laughs> and it's also one of the only, like, um, gluten items that I keep, I'll have in my house. Like, I'm just like, give me the OG. I need, like, an OG salty-ass pretzel. I have a drum of them in my office right now. And, like, I've had restraint. Like, it's been in my house for, like, three weeks. And I've eaten, like, a quarter of it. But, um... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, pretzel is my treat, man. I love them. And why, why are you trying to steal mommy's? He's like up in my shit again. All right, all right, all right. Hold on. I'm just going to eat the rest of this. Hold on. I always feel like I'm eating like sawdust. I feel like I'm eating something that is not meant to be consumed. But he, like I'm eating like like a cheap wooden table that you get from like Walmart that's made of like just wood pieces that are like mm-hmm. molded yeah, together. No. So like um, you and I come from very similar backgrounds. Like when my mom was always very like she didn't keep junk food in the house. Mm. Um, was that your fun? Was that a treat when you were like younger? So yeah, there were certain things that she would always buy at Costco that were like within our guidelines. And I got sick of all of them. Like I ate Campbell's chicken noodle soup. It was my favorite thing in the whole world. My mom bought like four cans, like four pallets of cans. And that's oh like, I ate it for like two years. And then um, one time high C, which I was not allowed to drink at all, was on sale. You were only allowed to buy two per customer. Um, and my mom was like watching our friends for a couple days every 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 week. So she got like, uh, she had... Um, me, my friend, her younger brother, my friend's mom, and her, all of us were in line holding two cases of 20. Each of us were holding 48 um, high C fruit punch. Oh my punch. God. And it was only the, it was only the fruit punch flavor. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus Christ. That's- and, and so I guess 48 times, times, what is that? Five? That's how many high C's that we had that summer. And granted, there was three of us drinking them. But um, I, to this day, you couldn't pay me to take a sip. Um, And then, but the one thing that she always bought was these like huge fucking sacks of pretzels. Like I'm talking like the size of a a big beagle. Okay. (laughs) And I never got sick of these fucking pretzels. Like they were just the one thing that like I could eat them anytime. They were around the house. They were quote unquote healthy compared to like, normal snacks and i just never got sick of them i don't know how i've eaten this many pretzels in my life and i still am willing to go back for more i mean like here's the thing though is like i say that i don't like pretzels but put one in front of me let's see how many minutes it takes for me to like see if i like them i'm using quote fingers you know what i mean yeah well like also the shape is a big um the shape of the pretzel affects the taste for sure absolutely Um, you know and like because like those little like the little I normally, I don't like a pretzel rod, but these ones I got, they're nice and salty, but a lot of times the salt falls off. Um, I like, I like what I call, t- I call them tacky pretzels where like they're, they're pretzels that are like, you can only get it like fucking like the gas station and like a truck stop. But I like pretzels that are like covered in shit or I like them like dipped in things. I just can't eat like a, a plain pretzel rod on its own. Mm. I need like dipped in a mustard or covered in like a honey mustard or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I also just want to shout out to every single person who's listening to this for listening to us talk about pretzels for <laughs> 10 minutes. I'm really sorry. I know, I, I know. It was my ill-behaved dog that brought this entire <laughs> thing into our lives. And frankly, it was me for when I was 23 for not training this dog. I was really responsible for that. Um, let's, um, let's talk about their actual relationship now because it's so short. that. Uh... Okay, you good on pretzels, though? Do you want to wrap up anything Um. No, I, I think, think I'm good. You I want to move good. on? Okay. I think right. I'm good. I will say okay. that I like the ones that are filled with peanut butter, I'm just saying. But um That's concluding the pretzel <laughs> portion of the podcast. Um I'm I can't wait to come back and do something terrible next time. Okay. <laughs> okay. So as we mentioned earlier, you know, they met on the set of this horrible movie, Just Married. And um during the press tour for the movie, 
Brittany did a, an appearance on The Tonight Show, and she said, uh, we got into an argument during the first rehearsal, and I've never argued with anyone in rehearsal before in my entire life. It was, just a, it was a little bicker, and I didn't even remember why. It was just silly. And she said, I had a broken heart when I first met him, and he was in a very serious relationship with a very lovely young woman. But we just kind of clicked, and we had a great time filming. And then I went, to, I went away to do a film. He went away to do his film. And then we thought about it two months ago, and we were both like, this is something. And Ashton did an interview on, I want to say Letterman, where he said, we had this big, big, huge blowout fight. She hated me and I hated her. It was a straight up argument, like a real one, but we both apologized to each other. And now here we are. Um, and it's worth mentioning like just really quickly that just married. No, you're fine. I was going to say that just married was like, this was like a giant smudge on Brittany Murphy's career because she had just gotten to the point where she like had her name like, you know, at, above the title of this movie. And that was a really big deal. It's all she wanted. It was the whole reason that she had done this whole like body makeover and she got it. And then the first movie she really gets besides Spun, which was like, people liked Spun, but this was like a big deal. And it was nominated for three Golden Razzie Awards. It was panned and everybody hated it. Yeah, um, it is interesting that like the only thing that came from this was sort of this relationship for the two of them, um, and they were so fucking and like gooey. I was seeing Israeli like, Pete and Ariana, ooey gooey, like couldn't fucking yeah. stop, you know, just like really like shamelessly couple coupled out in love. Like it was, it was one, it was like kind of one of those things where it's like this is so sweet to see it's very rare you catch people like this crazy in love at the the beginning of their relationship but you're also like if you've ever experienced that you see that and you're like oh man yeah this never it always sucks when because it's everyone's gonna break up Mm -hmm. literally every single person on this planet (laughs) is probably going to break up with whoever they are with unless death like unless death occurs um so really quickly, I will say that um, to me, the way that they like fought, I really do uh, attribute a lot of Brittany Murphy's acting skill to sort of that dynamic because the movie was about a couple that like met and had this like, you know, um, really quick love affair and then went on like a terrible honeymoon that was just like awful and they fought the whole time and it was really like you know, accusing each other of cheating and stuff like that. So part of me wondered, I'm like, I wonder if she was just like, so into this that like, that's kind of what that was born of. And like, also like why their relationship started to make sense was because they had to, they have acted these out before they have experienced these emotions, so to speak, you know? No, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, Um, Oh, also, can I just say that Ashley Scott was the girl that he was dating when they first met, um, and she was like some right after January Jones to like give that a sort of a a thing. Well, I wanted to like I want to bring this up again because I think it's really fascinating, and I want to hear people's opinions because you and I have completely opposite opinions on Brittany Murphy's sex life, and I just think that's so funny because we're both so. Um, on the same page with her and like every aspect to like her bones. But then when it comes to like her freak number, as Andy Cohen would say, we're on completely yeah. different pages. So I want people to weigh in and like, I want people to like tell us what they think. Is I mean, well, I'm going to be honest. Or not? I think Demi Moore is the first person that he got with that, like really fucking love to be thrown around in the sack. Like all these other chicks with the exception of Nelly Furtado, um, 
who seems like she's a fucking badass. Um, yeah. and they were only rumored to be dating. And Lindsay Lohan, who I feel like will probably let you do anything you fucking want to her. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> every single other girl that he dated from like, from like 95 to um, Demi Moore, which is in uh, 2003, um, they, they seem very like vanilla. Like they probably love to fuck their boyfriend, you know, um, yeah. and like are very like horned up for their boyfriend. But like, I don't see Britney being a kinky person. I don't see her being even someone that does anal. Like I really don't. Like I got the sense that she very much, and I think that her role in eight mile, I think also sort of contributed to maybe like the idea that this girl had a high freak number, but, um, I never really got someone, uh, never really felt like, again, it's kind of a little bit like gypsy Rose where it's like, she was so in with her mom. Now, of course it turns out that gypsy Rose had had a lot of fetishes. (laughs) She ended up being like the ultimate freak at the end of the in, in a in a weird way, like I don't think she actually really was. I think she was like a kid talking about like the idea of sex, and once that sort of actually became real, for sure, uh, she was very like uh, you know. I think she wanted to lose the bitch wanted to lose her virginity, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, once actually you're so horny that you'll yeah you somehow get into weird dominatrix and furry shit because you've had, it's been thirty years you've had sex. Yeah, that's like the the thing. I I've, uh, I knew a girl who hired someone because um, she had a rape fantasy, okay. um, and she hired this guy to do it. Um, and they met before, and they had this conversation. And she was like, "I want you to just like go for it. Like I'm gonna come home. Like you're gonna jump out of the fucking bushes. And from like af- from there on, like I, I I'm gonna pretend like you know." Like I am scared of you and I have no control here. So yeah. she could live out this fantasy. And in a weird way, it's like, to me, it was one of those things where I was like, the truly terrifying thing about this is like, this could be something that you think you want or like something that's interesting to you, but in actual practice, like this could be, this could ruin your life, you know? And yeah, like, for sure. even if you knew in the back of your head that it was like, not really a thing, it, I, it would just, I think like that it's a little bit risky. So in some ways I do, I think maybe even if she talked some big game, which I don't think she did at all, I would be really, really surprised if she was a hypersexual person. So here's where you and I actually meet in the middle then, because I do think that there, I, I do think that Brittany Murphy was hypersexual, but I see it as like hypersexual, almost in like a college way. Not in, like, the way of, like, a mature woman who, like, loves her sexuality, but, like... Like, sleeping around-wise? Sleeping around and, like, being, like, like babe, let's, like, let's go have sex in the bathroom. Like, I, I see her being, like, really almost overly passionate with her boyfriend to the point that, like, she was the girl that maybe wanted to, like... That would, like, grab at his dick at a movie theater or something. You know what I mean? Like, that girl. Not, like, yeah. being I mean, tied I, up and hog tied, but, like... You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, she was tied to that one blind item about, like, fucking a cater waiter in a hallway. Yes, um, yes, yes. And she even mentioned that in the movie, but I felt like they took liberties with that. In my mind, that was always Kirsten Dunst, um, if I'm being honest. Um, because her actual, like, on-record, quote-unquote, dating history is very short. She it is short. She Brandis for a while, then she was with Tom Green, Eminem for a year, then Ashton for, a, you know, seven months. Then this guy, right. Jeff... Quantum something, Fred Durst, Joe Macaluso. That's right. They were they were a thing. I think she was engaged to him even. 
and then Simon Monjack. And like, that is not a lot, especially for the time that she was around in Hollywood. And also strikingly, every single guy on this list is one of the best at what it is that they do, including Simon Monjack being a con man. Like, like, you know, Jonathan Brandis was like one of the hunkiest hunks of that time. Tom Green was like truly an original that like broke a new format. Basically Eminem completely changed the game, broke a new format. Ashton Kutcher, literally, as you were saying, was this sort of like brilliant man. Um, I don't know who Jeff is. Let me see. Jeff is a, I don't know. I think he's like a business person of some kind. Then she did some business guys, Fred Durst, totally in like the head of his own league, even if it is a bizarre and small league. (laughs) Yeah. The top at what he does. And I think that that's so, um, I think that that's so interesting that that's her pattern. You know, there's no, um, there's no looks thing here. That's a common thread. The only thing that's common is I think she really liked unique guys that were great at what they did. I agree with that, like, 100%. And I, like, Eminem is, like, the Britney Murphy of his world in my mind. Like, Ashton Kutcher is the Britney Murphy of his world in my mind. And that they, she was so incredibly talented and just, like, head and shoulders above her peers. Yeah, I agree with that. And I will say that, like, it's interesting. Fred Durst pops up a lot on this podcast and also in people's dating history. Um, and I think that he had a a knack for like sniffing out girls in like a very specific sort of like time period in their lives where like, I don't know where they were like sort of like looking to Fred Durst knows what he is. You know what I mean? I think that he's like very hyper. Oh yeah. 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 Like, I mean, he was, he was the one who said like when the Britney rumors were going around, he's like, yeah, I get it. Like I was a bad look for her team, you know, like he gets it. I think truly. He knows, he like leans into that. Like he leans into that bad boy thing where it's like, you know that you, you'll get in trouble for being with me. You know what I mean? Like he's that guy. But yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely, I definitely don't think that Brittany Murphy was like being hogtied. I think that it was like a college thing. And also she was like small and short. And I feel like I've been friends with a lot of really high, oddly enough, a lot of my really close friends in life from like middle school to now have been short hypersexual girls i don't know what that is but like they somehow that's like a thing um and like all of them have like the same sort of aesthetic and i feel like britney murphy had that thing where she kind of liked being like she was tiny and she liked being like picked up and like maybe not like thrown into walls but she liked being like the small little thing in the bedroom do you know what i'm saying yeah oh yeah and that's definitely a huge turn on for guys it's just been Spinner. Yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah. also when you are sexualized often, whether you want to be or not, um, that definitely sometimes plays out. Um, what's so, can I just say one thing that just is a little bit off topic, but kind yeah. of on topic about sort of her being all over the place. Like if you look at someone like Jessica Simpson's who dated who page, literally every single person is like an attractive brunette male until you get to her, the man she married, who's a blonde guy. Like right. literally she, this girl dated like brooding sort of like shithead brunettes, like guys that like had that sort of like, you know, Johnny Knoxville, Adam Levine, Bam Margera, Dame Cook. Like these are yeah. all like wow. Damn. same world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and of course she graduated to like Jared Leto and um, John Mayer and stuff. 
as um, we all do. But yeah, like if you look at the at her page or a lot of other people's pages, Fred Durst, when I looked at his page, that's what made me click over with Jessica. Literally every single person, for the most part, with the exception of a rare brunette and redhead, they're all blonde. They're all blonde porn stars type girls. Like literally like there's one black girl here. Like you could see like... You know, like sometimes Fred Durst like to mix it up. Like, you yeah. know, to try a redhead, but like yeah. his normal diet was a blonde bitch. He loved it. <laughs> Him and Nick Lachey, same, they have the same type. But he's like, yeah, like I'll, get, I'll, 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 I'll fuck Corinne Steffens. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I meant not Nick Lachey. I meant to say Nick Carter. Nick Carter definitely had a type too. Oh, Nick Carter. Yeah, is uh, definitely, definitely. A lot of these, I mean... Damn, it is crazy though when you look at Britney's page, how sparse it is for the amount of time that she was in Hollywood yeah. um, and how many guys she probably could have fucked. Um, and I think that that also kind of speaks a little bit to maybe her personality, just a little bit of how monogamous she was. But also, um, you know, I think that she never knew how beautiful she was, which is yeah. how this happened. And it's like, why, like, with the exception of a few of these guys, like, they're all arguably like, you know, a, a four to her, her, her nine. You know what oh, I mean? For sure. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like this girl had no, no business being with Simon in the first place. I mean, like, my God, like that was like the most odd pairing of people just in general, like just looks Or she could be like me. She, I could put, I saw a writer put this the best way I've ever heard. Um, sometimes you like a six you can eight on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah that's true. Than you? That's tough. That so sometimes you like to really, I think a lot of women do that when people are like, why is she with that? Like fat schlubby girl? I'm like a fl- flat chubby guy. And I'll be like, because she's always going to be a prize. Right. Like, yeah. 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 And he'll work really hard at like keeping her because he feels lucky to have her. Yeah. Like she doesn't have to do anything. She shows up to the party and she's already better looking than most people. But <laughs> yeah. anyway, sorry, go ahead, honey. No, you're fine. Um, I guess we have to talk about their breakup now. Um, we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast that, uh, the director of just married did confirm that they were kind of sent out with, um, with engagement rings to promote the movie and just kind of be photographed with them. Um, and the world just kind of ran with it. But, uh, they inevitably, you know, seven months into their relationship, they did break up. And, um, you know, one of Ashton's really good friends gave this exclusive to contactmusic.com. I mean, every, every week I laugh. What a good friend. The source. Give, what a good friend to give an exclusive to contactmusic.com. <laughs> like, the fuck? <laughs> like, what? this man literally worked one day in, like, the craft services thing of, like, of that 70s show putting little, like, peanuts into cups because everything has to have a cover on it for sanitary reasons. Like, this man literally managed the mixed nuts at, at um, that 70s show. I can promise you. Um, but anyway, keep going. I just also love that I'm the only person in the entire world who is clicking contactmusic.com for exclusives, which is fine, though. Um... But he mentioned that it had a lot to do with their differences and their values. And basically that Ashton, you know, he had been wanting to get out of this relationship for several, several years and that he was not really done partying. Like Ashton Wait, wanted to, what? he wanted to get out of it for several. I'm sorry. Years. I'm sorry. Oh. Several months. Several oh, months. okay. Okay. I'm glad you said something. I was going to say this fucking crook over at contact news. He's not even like doing his homework. <laughs> okay. No, for several months he had wanted to break up with her, but like he couldn't and he wanted to go out and basically fuck young 
like starlets in Hollywood. Um, but he said uh, he wants to go out and have fun without a girlfriend. He likes going all, out all the time. And Brittany is definitely more of a homebody, which plays into what yes. you said. Um, she wants to con- concentrate on her work. And um, the friend also mentioned that Brittany was under constant watch by her mother, who I mentioned previously is, you know, people had all these opinions about her mom. Um, you know, was Britney's best friend. They called each other soulmates, blah, blah, blah. Um, but as far as Britney's relationships, like her mother did play a really heavy part in, you know, who she stayed with because her mom played a heavy part in every decision she made in her life. Yeah, um, Britney, um, while this probably wasn't a very fair portrayal of her in her movie, she was, um, she seemed very insecure um, about, I mean, this was also during a time in Hollywood where you didn't go out. Like yeah. you didn't go like get a, you didn't go get a drink. Like you were fucking out dog. Like you were at Le Du, like yes. sitting in the booth, like yes. going to a casual dive bar was like, was like, Oh, that's like a hipster thing. Like, you know, as opposed yes. to like, Oh, that's actually a normal way to um, behave as an adult. So like, this was definitely a time too, where, you know, not only is she like not going out because she doesn't really want to, um, I think that like she was nervous that his friends didn't really like her, that she was just sort of like along for the ride or whatever. And that they were only like nice to her because of him. And she felt very self-conscious about the fact that she didn't party and they were all like kind of like nightlife people, um, which I personally relate to as like an incredible introvert. Like, there's something very scary when you're dating an extrovert, even if you trust them about oh, them. No. Like, just like how? Because like, to, it's not second nature to us. So like, we're like, but how do you do that? You know? And um, it, it, it's so like for him to be out, like you know, in town, like there was also reports in the po- in the paparazzi of everything that happened the next day. And of course, at that point, you know, anytime was seen talking to a beautiful blonde, like it would be like so and so cheated. You know? So Damn. um, it was it, yeah. It's like my, the hairs on my neck just stood up when you said that it's scary as an extrovert, as an introvert to date an extrovert. I've never like really looked at it as something that's like scary. First of all, I don't even know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert, but I do relate to the fact that RuPaul calls himself an extroverted introvert and that he wants to be in his house all the time and he wants to be reclusive, but he has a personality that lends itself to to people thinking he's an extrovert when he's not. That's exactly my problem. Yeah. Yeah. And like people just assume that you can handle any situation. They can put you in a room and you'll talk to, and it's like, I'll manage, but I don't necessarily want to. And internally I'll be fucking freaking out the whole time. And it does feel scary. Like scary is a really good way to to describe it because it's like another introvert is um, they like nurture that part of you that gets like social anxiety. Whereas an extrovert will kick you and kick you into situations where you're like, okay. That was, that's been a huge problem for me, like in a lot of friendships and even some of my oldest friendships, like Ed, like it's, you know, now we're at a point where I'm like, okay, back it off. Cause he's like, oh, she's socially angry. I'm like, hey, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> okay. Like, I'm not on a developmental delay, sis. Like, I just yeah. get nervous. Okay. I don't really like, I don't really know how to do this. I don't have questions to ask anyone. And it's not because I'm not interested in them. I just like, I, I panic. I can't think of anything. And yeah. for years, I would have to be like, yo, like if I say I'm not going, it's not because I want to punish you. It's because I don't want to make people miserable yeah. because I'm also someone that like, I affect the energy of a room. Unfortunately, I've come to learn that I affect the energy of a room. 
I'm not one of those people that, you know, if I'm in a bad mood, um, there's no, like if I'm in a bad mood, everyone knows it and it affects the mood of other people. I can't hide it. I wish I could more than anything, but I have one of those faces, you know, that like people can just like, I have a face that can't hide it. And so, um, when I say, yeah, like like, you look sad, it's good. No, I'm not, I'm not sad. You just look upset. No. Or like, yeah, I am fucking upset. And I wish that I didn't have to talk about this right now because I was better at hiding shit on my face. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the other thing is like you're constantly like when the last thing you want is attention, it like gets all this attention on you and then you feel bad for feeling bad or whatever. Um, But like, yeah, you have to like, you know, for me, it was a big thing for me to finally like be like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. Like, because it doesn't lead to great results. Like, you know, I'm not like I, the Abbey in here, like or here was a huge bar next to the Abbey. Like I was go and I would be miserable. And I knew it was because I had like literally the, um, the energy of like, um, you know, 3000 horny queer people drunk off their brain uh, yeah. in one space. Like it, for some reason, everyone has to go to the same fucking bar and I would just like come home a ball of nerves and like the alcohol would quit, hit me really quickly mm-hmm. and I'd be really hung over. That's the other thing. Like for me, drinking in social situations often goes hand in hand me too. and um, it hits me really quickly because I'm running off adrenaline. So yeah. um, I could see that also being another aspect of sort of like Britney's loopiness in a weird way. Um, not to like either, either, either like write myself some sort of redemption check or like prove uh, something about her that I don't really know. But like, let's say she, you know, she had had a drink or two backstage at Leno. Like that could absolutely, you know, and I'm sure most people do. I feel like a lot of times you hear that, you know, someone drank a fucking handle of tequila before they went out on the Letterman stage. But I think like with Brittany, it probably hit her very hard. She seems like a very sensitive, um, she's a delicate constitution. Oh, I'm like even more, sad about this than I was before we started. Like, it's just like, I don't know. I never until, and this may be naive of me, I don't know, but I, I never until like really doing research for this episode and the episode with Eminem, I never looked at Brittany Murphy as this like introverted, shy, delicate, like precious moments figurine. Like I always saw her as you know, the clips that you see of her. As that Ty, like this fucking yes. New Jersey broad. Like she, yes. she says, she has a Jersey broad thing about her. Yes. But I think that that's also just like, she's from Jersey. You know what I mean? Right. And like different personalities can exist in Jersey, but you still have the same accent. Um, I will say that like, I'm not, I don't want to speculate on her um, mental health too much, but I, you know, she was on a, a fuckload of prescription drugs. Um, and one of them was a bipolar medication. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. I think it's the part of me, I haven't been diagnosed, but it's the part of me that thinks I have bipolar too, is like, I'm very sensitive mm-hmm. to outside forces. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It really affects my mood. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if she had something similar, you know, maybe not depression, but like a more mood based thing because she was very sensitive. You have to be so sensitive to be an actress. Yeah. And like, to be honest with you, like even during this time, like in my mind, the images, you know, there are images that come to your mind when you think of a celebrity and there are certain celebrities where like everybody's image is the same, which is really weird. But with her, for me, it's like, 
during this specific time in the like the mid two thousands, early two thousands, is like I just picture her like at the VMAs giving middle fingers and like grabbing her crotch and like running up towards the stage to like you know like point towards Fred Durst while he's singing Nookie and like I don't know like that girl like that like her bubbly funny outgoing self like I never viewed her as being this delicate angel and now I'm like even she might you know and she might not be everyone has a duality to them for sure you know like you know that I but I think who she was at her core you know like you know all those sides of her existed, you know, like, it's funny to think of her doing that now. Like what, what was her mental state when she was doing that? Like, was she really having a lot of fun? And like, is that the childlike part of her This sort of like delayed, um, childhood that she has because she never really got a full one as a kid, you know, um, is that that coming through or was she fucked up or was she just like, you know, I, I mean, was it a combination of just being really childlike and also maybe a little bit fucked up and also like you're leaning into this like fame thing you have and like, or maybe she was, you know, she's still bright eyed and bushy tailed about the industry and seeing one of her favorite musicians perform was like very cool to her. Who knows? You know, yeah. Yeah, I think right. people are really quick to, because she didn't have um, much of like a known personality. I think it's very easy for people to fill in the blanks um, based on like, you know, a couple of things. But I swear to you, you guys, like go back and watch some of these like Leno and Letterman interviews and stuff like that. And y'all really see that like this girl was like, she was not the person that like that the way that they would talk to her was as if she was a person that she's not right. Like they were deciding her public image and that person who was sitting there was not that no sitting there being like, cause you know, like she'd tell a story. Um, they'd be like, Oh, like, and you know, and what was that? You know? And she like following up on an anecdote and she'd be like, Oh, it was my pet squirrel, you know? And so then they'd be like, um, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe there's actually a perfectly reasonable and maybe even lovely explanation for that. But um, you've decided to take this anecdote into a weird territory or, you know, um, not go along with the punchline that you agreed upon because, like, you could say the same thing and if you had a good hearty laugh about it, it wouldn't have sounded crazy. It's you looking at her like she's crazy that makes it crazy. And then she's the girl that would laugh it off and then they would lean into it because they would think that she liked it. And that's like this whole thing. Like this, like Yeah, they realize that she's not going to stand up for herself. Right. And, like, that's one of the things that... I love so much about Ariana Grande and I think has separated her from pretty much every other pop star. Cause we talk about, you know, sort of the bullying that's gone on in interviews over the years quite a bit. Like, um, just like, I mean, I think I fucking hate Diane Sawyer now. Oh, um, me too. I know, you know, I know. Because of the way that she handled Britney and a way that a lot of those uh, stars were handled. Like Ariana Grande is to me so iconic because you know, not since like someone like a Whitney Houston and even Whitney and Mariah sort of had their own way of doing it, but she will stay present in that moment and be like, no, that's fucked up. That's actually sexist. I'm not answering this question. And you need to examine why you would ask that. Like she is that person like that. And Brittany, I think most people, most women are not taught to do that. Most women are taught to just like go along with it and not make things awkward. Um, but, you know, there's people like her and a Britney uh, Spears mm-hmm. that have been so um, conditioned to be likable and right. are also probably, like, you know, very shy flowers. Um, 
you know, they just allowed themselves to be railroaded like that and to have like disgusting sexual things said to them and to, you know, to like maybe bat an eye and make a little face, but like certainly never be like, don't talk to me like that. Or you're taking that out of context, you know? Well, yeah, because it was even more controversial to bat an eye. You know what I mean? And that's the fucked up thing. Like I remember there's like a really iconic, um, press conference where like one of these people asked during like the crossroads uh press tour like they asked britney how she ended up losing her virginity yeah like like her answer was like i mean at the very moment it was politely southern and a little backhanded maybe but like the the controversy was based on her being a bitch about Wait, the honey, sorry can we pot wags is just like <laughs> no, it's okay. this audio stop <laughs> it's not rude i'm gonna keep it stop <laughs> Go do whatever it is you're doing in another room. No. It's because he senses another male energy. I am podcasting. I'm going to go in the, I'm going to go in my office. Well, no, now you fucking ruined it. So you have to sit in the bed by yourself. Okay. (laughs) Now you have to sit in the bed by yourself. He wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me record. Like he wouldn't let me, I'm recording in my fucking bed. Because he wouldn't let me sit in my office today. Now I'm in the bed and he's yelling at me. So no, I'm going to the office where I meant to start my day. Okay. I'm just obsessed with the fact that like you're kind of in an abusive relationship with Wags. And like, it's the dynamic. Troy, I have a pinched nerve in my back right now because he won't let me sleep. Um, he, he pushes me out of the bed. And like, you've seen, you've been in my bed. It's a fucking king. It it's is. so big and it's so comfortable. And he's and so small. How many, over the years, how many thousands of dollars I have put into finding the right pillows and to finding the right sheets and in making sure my mattress is amazing because the healthiest thing, anything that you can do if you want to improve your life, the first and best thing you can do is create a perfect bed. I have worked my whole life for that bed. Okay. This motherfucker will not let me sleep on it. He won't. I have to, I have a, I am, I am just, I have one eighth or yeah, I have one eighth of my bed and I fall, I've fallen off of it before because he's pushed. This dog is eight pounds for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah. Dead weights his ass on my back. So every time I push over, so I'll push over slightly. Um, and if I try and move him, he acts like fucking CPS should be here. <laughs> I get bit in my sleep. I get yelled at constantly. I'm fucking exhausted. It pisses me off. Like, not to, sorry. Like, I, by the way, you guys, I love this dog more than anything. Like, if you're hearing hatred in my voice right now, it's because I need a break. Yeah. Um, but that, like, and I love, but I love this dog more than anything. Like, it would, it's only from love. That um, he's become this way, um, but it's uh, yeah, like he owns my ass. Like, no, like you're fully sleeping with the enemy. Like you are in an abusive. Fucking relationship. owns my ass, and like yeah. obsessed with me. Like that's the worst thing is that like we're obsessed with each other, and I can never get mad at him because he actually is. Like I think that this dog evolved to to look as cute as he does, which dogs do, so that they can manipulate the fuck out of you. Oh, like yeah. I really feel like he really broke loose in his category. He himself is like the Fred Durst of Chihuahuas or the Eminem of Chihuahuas. He is like a fucking leader in his category on cuteness, but also manipulation. Oh yeah, uh, internally the dog that wags is in his heart is like a, he's like um he's like Cujo, but like he looks like he could be drawn by like Disney Pixar. You know what I mean? I really did think that they stole Beverly Hills Chihuahua from like. 
because like I because Wags was all over the internet at that point, and like it was like probably fucking three years into having this guy, all of a sudden Beverly Hills Chihuahua comes out, and I was like, dog, <laughs> literally stole my fucking dog. Like literally, look up Beverly Hills Chihuahua. We'll do a side by side for your. <laughs> look it up right now. We gotta do. I mean, they stole my dog, and um, and like. <laughs> You see what I mean? Yeah. They stole my dog. Uh, oh my god! And like, I'm so fine funny. with that because, like, obviously, this movie is about a fucking beautiful dog. I mean, but when Wags was a puppy, honey, this is exactly what he looked like. Like, he had a little bit of like that, like, um, more like skinny, hollow. He was like, he was, he was never like a gross Chihuahua by any means, but he looked exactly like this fucking Beverly Hills Chihuahua dog, and um, like, you know. If if the whole point of the movie is that this is one good looking motherfucker, I I can live by that. I can live with that. But like, I would like at least someone over at Disney to admit to me that they stole my dog's face. No, like legit, this is wags. But the really funny thing though is that if you look at Beverly Hills Chihuahua one, two, and three, it's supposed to be the same dog each time, but it's like very blatantly not. Which I I, I love the not continuity in the Beverly Hills Chihuahua franchise. Wait, is, is it live action? It's it's not animated. Is it, no, it's a, it's a live action where they move their mouths, right? No, I think it's animated. Oh my god, if they if they didn't steal my dog and I'm just like fucking crazy, then, like I dead ass think they stole my dog. And I know, I swear to you, I'm telling you, I had a lot of people reach out and said they wrote a character like loosely based on me for their pilot that year or whatever. Okay, there was a period of time where I was a unique personality out in this world, and <laughs> if people could copy me to write a character for a TV show that sold, then why? Wouldn't someone steal my dog's face? I think the, that Disney at least owes me the courtesy of admitting it. That's it. <laughs> maybe inspired by. That would be nice. Because I know if it's another real dog, maybe it's one of Wags' siblings. He did have a lot of siblings. That's possible. But I don't know. You see, now I'm in a weird Google thing and I can't alum. Like, I'm like, I, I was like looking up really weird stuff with Beverly Hills Trauma and like that's, I can't. A lot like, of this is also just like whack ass people posting pictures because they think their dog looks like the Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yeah. I'm looking at right now, this, I'm going to send this to you. This looks animated to me. Sorry, everyone. Um, this is really putting the pretzels rant to shame. It's just me <laughs> screaming about Beverly Hills Chihuahua being stolen from my dog. Um, okay. Let's uh, go back to Ashton. Okay. Well, the only thing that I have left in my notes is the thing that you've all been waiting for, which is um, this, this penis scandal, which like, I didn't know, and I feel really dumb because I'm like very, very much like I am constantly trying to sniff out how big I think somebody's dick is as far as like celebrities and like actors. It's my, it's my main talent in life. No, like legit. It's like, I really, it's like there is, there are certain personality traits to just lead to so many different things as far as penis size, the look of a penis, circumcised or not. It's, it all plays out. And Ashton, which I didn't know until looking this up, um, but, like, if you look on any, like, top 10 or top 15 list of, like, there's, there's a handful of men that are on top 10 lists for having, like, big dicks. It's always John Hamm, uh, Liam Neeson, like, the list, yeah. specific list of men. That's always the same guys. And then there's a list of men that are always on lists for having small penises. And Ashton Kutcher is apparently on the list. And this all started from Brittany Murphy. And it's, it's followed him through different phases of his career. And in 2004, Brittany appeared on a talk. She was on David Letterman and she made, at this point they had broken up and 
um, he was dating Demi Moore and Britney made a joke about how Demi Moore must not care about, about, she said Demi Moore must not care about size. It must not be important to her if she's dating Ashton. And the whole audience freaked out and like went crazy. And then she, it was such a, a big, a big miniature scandal at the time that she had to release a statement to like a, a magazine or something saying that like, she said the trouble she said, my trouble is that I talk first and think later, but I really didn't mean to cause him any harm or offense in his relationship. And then, ironically, while Demi Moore and Ashton were going through their thing because he cheated, Demi was um, very famously going around and showing people pictures of Ashton's penis. And they like laughing about how small it was. And like that was yeah. a thing, like a bunch of different reports or a bunch of different news sources reported that like several people were like, I was at a party and Demi Moore showed me a picture of Ashton's dick and it's really small. And like, this is a thing that's followed him for like, now it's been like his whole career. Okay. So because you were doing all that preamble, I finally just had to break and, and Google Ashton Kutcher dick. And um, one thing came up with his current wife, Mila Kunis. Did you hear this? Oh, the beer, the beer can thing. The the carrot or beer can. Yeah. Like Corden, like what what his dick is more like, and Corden basically had to walk her into beer can. Yeah. Like I she mean, was like carrot stick. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and it was like, wait, Ashton's dick is like a carrot stick, and she's like, well, no, like it's not, it's not short. And it, and yeah, I t- I'm telling thing. you, there, there's no girth to that bitch. That guy has got a skinny ass dick. I yeah. know it. I know he's got a skinny ass dick and like, yeah, I can just tell he seems like it too. And like, um, it was funny because at first I thought this was going to go the other way and I was going to be like, yeah, Brittany probably did think it was a big dick. She probably has only seen like six dicks. Um, he worked too hard at being liked to have a big dick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like the only BDE that he has is from his, sort of like cool calm collective business sense you know what i mean but like in a way that is not that's like (laughs) okay so like you know like ugly guys come to town they get make it famous and like all of a sudden they can fuck whoever they want right it's like almost like his version of that like his whole life he had this tiny ass dick and now he can fuck whoever he wants right uh, or something like that i don't know but like it makes sense why like a lot of his uh you know, not to categorize this too much, but pretty much all of his girlfriends, um, bef- like, have been just like tiny little tiny. blonde things, like little yeah. waspy little blonde girls, like who probably don't know shit about dicks. Um, I'm like, I know yeah. that I've said this before. I've said it a million times, and I will, I'll continue. I think this will be on my tombstone. The definition of big dick energy to me mm-hmm. is Kevin Federline. I'm sorry. Oh, 100%. That's big. And Kristen Cavallari is big dick energy. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That is yeah. big dick energy. Like, people are mis- people, like, miscategorize that so much, and they were, like... I hate it. Oh, it was so annoying. And I'm like, you don't get it. Like, you... Let's just really think about this for a second. We yeah. have never, in 15 years, not one time, ever, seen Kevin Federline freak out, speak above a whisper... No, well, you're exactly. Let's talk for a second. Like, thank you. I, Fucking thank you. To calmly and confidently crawl out of a swamp and derail the pop, the the life of the biggest pop star in the world just from fucking her, and then and then have no. I mean, like the whole world hates you, and you're just chill as fuck. Yeah, That's big dick energy. 
Yeah. It's because, like, you know what? With BDE, you got nothing to prove. You've got nothing to prove. Say anything you want all day long. Say what it is, <laughs> whatever it is you want all day long. Because you know what? At the end of the day, nothing matters. I got nothing a big matters. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, I know, I've, I've experienced all the, the best things you can in life. Literally throw it at me. I feel like a guy with a big dick gets a lot of shit thrown at him at a much younger age. And so mm-hmm. he lets things fucking roll off his back. And by the time he realizes he has a big dick, he's invincible. Exactly. Um, but like, no, truly, like you are someone, like most people are like, oh, like big dick energy. No, like literally, truly, I feel like you and I are, you're the only person that I believe comes close to my level of being a scholar on BDS. I feel like it was reckless when that was brought up on the public level. That should have never been something we talked about. This is something that like, I maybe would, would write a thesis on this when I was 55 and I felt like I had lived enough and experienced enough. I've been studying BDE since I was 15 years old. Okay. But for since way before I even had sex. Okay. I know I can tell you, any guy, put him in a line. Any guy, I can tell you who's packing with what. Anything. Yes. I don't. It's. I can tell by the way they cross the street. That's all I can tell. I. I can clock it. So like when that was thrown out, I mean, you really would have to. I would love to see a dick that surprised me. I really would. I would love to see something that I'm like, wow, that certainly doesn't belong on that. Um, and like to I, see girls being like, or just people in general being like. Oh, Kellen Lutz, big dick energy. It's like, no, 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 no. You're missing the entire point. Do you remember that guy that like did a backflip off the California highway um, sign? Like it was like a thing where he like climbed up a highway sign and then the police had to come and like put out a trampoline for him to jump on or whatever. (laughs) No, I don't know that. So it was like two days after BDE broke and like, and then like people, I like retweeted it and I was like, I am so attracted to this man. Like if this guy <laughs> like decided to like fucking crawl a highway sign, like on a highway overpass and literally he's like chilling, like he's just chilling up there. And I think he's wearing an American flag tank top or something. And the, the fire department comes out, the police come out, they blow up one of those huge mats that they um, that they do when someone's about to like be a jumper or whatever. Like they they like pull out those things. They had one of those. The dude literally, when he finally feels like I can't hold out anymore, he crosses his hands over the front of his body and flips back and does like a triple backflip onto the thing. And I was like, I'm so attracted to this man. And, and a lot of people were like, oh my God, talk about BDE. And I was like, no. I was like, literally, this guy definitely does not. This, everything that this, did that happened here, this wouldn't even occur to a guy who had BDE. Like, because like, he has nothing to prove, bitch. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if he wakes up at noon or if he wakes up at 6 a.m., he's getting the same results because nothing matters. Like, that is, that is the no. quoi of BDE. Yeah, and, like, I feel like another, another tall tale sign of BDE is, like, a young guy who, much like a Kevin Federline, who has, like, a lot of issues with baby mamas because, like, he fucks so much that, like he just has children everywhere at like 22 you know what i mean and like he just calmly handles it and it was like maybe not like the best dad but he's just chill about this crazy he has chilled the fuck out dog like you know what i mean he's walking around in a carhartt long sleeve like just like he's never like 
it, like he never had like a, a bridge that he really like get you know like he went from being like just a fuck boy to like dad number three yes like, really put oh him, my god that's exactly yes yes put him in a background of a lifetime movie no one would blink like the way that he is now like he just looks like a fucking american american guy um yeah. But, like, it's crazy to think that this guy once, like, had the entire nation. I mean, it is very Pete Davidson. He had the entire fucking nation up his ass. And, like, all we wanted to do was see this pop star survive and thrive after that breakup. Like, it is very similar. It is. God damn it. Um well, my, the last thing that I have in my notes is actually uh, it's 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 a, it's a it's a downer. It's sad. This is post a post mortem quote from Ashton. Um, it's from 2010, where he said, you know, he said, you know, when you go to a party and everybody is standing around and the music is going, and you know, sooner or later everyone is going to dance. Britney was always the first person to get up and dance, and I just try and connect to that and celebrate who she was and how she was, and not. And, she, and he said, and not make sense of it because there's no way really to make sense of her death. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was like working on some project two months before she died. And he called her randomly. They hadn't spoken in years and was like, would you be interested in like maybe doing this with me? So he brought her in. She auditioned. She was great. And she was so good that he actually had her sit in to um, help audition the rest of the cast of whatever this thing was he was working on. And then um, a little over a month and a half later, she had died. So I'm going to say something. This is sort of a sweet anecdote, but I have a very different take on this. Ashton's a fucking user dog. He knows that she is supremely talented, that she can like see through the sun sort of like she would be able to have that casting magic. You know what I mean? Oh Um, yeah. I once had a casting director describe it to me as like when it's the right person, like as opposed to, um, it being like to like coming across as like an aura of one color, it starts to look plaid. Like when you know it's the right oh, yeah. person, it's like sort of like it yeah. takes your brain like plaid. Okay. And I think that she had that. And I think that he do- doesn't. And I think that Ashton might be one of those people and many people are, and I fucking hate them, but it's only because I can't do it myself. Um, which is that they're really good at fucking assembling a good team of people around them that they can use, that they can use to make themselves look better. Like, that's how I felt when I was watching um, Michael Che and uh, What's-His-Face, the other dickhead, um, host the Golden Globes or whatever they hosted. Like, it's like, yeah, like, that show was a lot more memorable because all they're writers for SNL and they got half the cast of SNL to be on the stage. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. They got all these people to bring up their average. And, like, I will say that I, I'm, I'm, I would be surprised if acting was something that didn't come naturally to Ashton as much as it's just another thing he's good at being. It's another, like, skin he can put on. Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, he really probably did need a true actress like Brittany in the room to help him. Um, and it's nice that, like, you know, he did seem to, like... He did seem to have a connection with her. I'm surprised, honestly, that Simon let her do it because that motherfucker seemed very controlling. Um, but, you know, to, to dump someone, like, you know, and have your friend tell, tell exclusively to the, whatever that fucking radio CD.com or whatever that was called. Like, <laughs> to have, like, your friend be like, yo, yeah, he was trying to break up with her for months. Like, it just was, like, a difference in personality. Dude, like, dumps her. They don't talk for years. And he's like, hey, um... Do you want to come in and read for this? Oh wait, you're actually really good. Like, do you want to fucking oh, sure. do my job for me? Do you want to do my job for me? Like, that's how I take yeah. it. For no, me, for sure. And I'm like, very easily scammed, so I'm sensitive. No, but Ashton is the guy that is like so. 
Like, I don't think Ashton is even the person who tries to hide that he's scamming people, but he doesn't have to because, again, he's charming, funny, and cute and goofy. And, like, he can be very blatant and honest about the fact that he's kind of using you, but, like, you're so happy to be around him that you don't care. I think that he's that person. He definitely, I mean, like, who, like, first of all, he didn't talk to her for years, like you said. And then he calls her out of the blue and says, like, hey, I want you to be in this thing and help me cast it. Are you fucking kidding? Because let's be real. Like, her reputation wasn't great at that time. And I always look at someone like that. And I look at Ashton, I'm like, dude, you should have spoken up that day. Yeah. Like, you had Twitter. You should have said, just met with Brittany Murphy. The girl still got it. Yeah. Fantastic. Like, no, and now he speaks speaks of her retrospectively, and he tells this anecdote about how good she was at casting. And it's like, no, dude, like, you had the opportunity to change that dialogue about her that day. You know? Like, Oprah did with Lindsay, and then Lindsay fucked it up or whatever. Like, if you have the option to change the dialogue around the person Mm -hmm. that's been wronged, like, you have no right speaking about them when they die if you don't do it. Like, this guy did not try with Damn, everything he had. That's so true. He let her drown for years. Yeah, for years. I think so too. And, you know, I, I mean, honestly, like, listen, no one is to blame for someone's, like, you know, on a, on a level like this, he is not necessarily to blame for her downfall. Justin Timberlake is not to blame for her downfall. Right. But I do think with a lot of people you can see a very, very hurtful breakup, especially one that started with the love that they had. Because I'm yeah. telling you, like, it was this, it was this um, Comedy Central thing I watched yesterday in prep for this um, that was hosted by Mario Cantone. And I, I, um, I forgot that they did this, um, but they would have, like, the stars of a movie on. It'd be, like, a full half-hour interview, um, like, kind of in between small clips of the movie. So, like, you were really sort of selling the actors on the, like the, the, this was a good way to sell a movie in my mind. This is the way they should have done it. So they did a great job with it. And Ashton and Brittany were very in love, um, during the promotion because this is like when she got back from the movie and, and, um, they became a couple and like to see them just the way they are is like, it's almost like, that's what I meant by, Oh no. Like, yeah. For the person who doesn't go on to do bigger and better things necessarily in the breakup, like, there's there is that formative relationship in almost everyone's life and we got to very publicly see that with Brittany and Justin we got to very publicly see that um who else was I thinking like um there's I I I have examples but like my long story oh like Nick and Jessica like you know what I mean when one person takes off and the other person sort of like stays where they were or they can't really grow past it, it it does seem to be to in my mind, that sort of love can spark like the course of a person's life. Um, and you know, he had his own studio where he was developing stuff for years. So like, you know, definitely he had pilots and stuff. Like she's a phenomenally talented actress. Like why, why bring her into a room of all times now when she's married and you're married, like now you can have a professional relationship with her. Like you're right. He had the, he, he was somebody who had the power to really help make, help change the public's perception of her who she was and yeah 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 and and um i think that like that's also kind of ties back to the january jones of it all for me where mm-hmm. it's like what is up with that like what's up with that man like yeah. you know it's one thing to be like a good businessman it's another thing to like be a good businessman who isn't like generous to 
people who are kind to him, like, or like the opposite side. It's like Brittany Murphy doing well is no threat to Ashton Kutcher's career in any way. Also on the, like on the, on the opposite end, it's like Ashton Kutcher is generous on a very public scale. Like he's the kind of, he's the person that if he is doing something, um, like, you know, when him and Demi would like do things for charity, they were the ones that would go on Oprah and tell Oprah that they were doing something for a charity. Like they never, you know what I mean? Like he was always the person. There's also a lot of, um, there's like conspiracies out there about his, um, his sex trafficking, um, thing. What's it called? Thorn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. this part is patreon only i mean i this is all like by the way none of this is stuff i've heard from anyone in the entertainment industry in any capacity this is from like people that are like you know have too much time on their hands and decide to make a youtube video because they investigated a charity uh probably because they have some sort of weird relationship with sex trafficking themselves so all of that said you know <coughs> I, I there's just a few things where it kind of like disappoints me as a person and i feel like you know, Brittany, when she was um, at the end of her career, the movie where she did, um, Simon Monjack did her makeup for it because at one point, she, like that was in the deal. Like they couldn't afford hair and makeup if they wanted to pay her. And so he would come along as her hair and makeup artist. Um, but like she, you know, had people like um, Minnie Driver was in that movie. Minnie Driver had a lot of really nice things to say about her at that time. But in a weird way, it's like she didn't really have... And I think it was because the problem didn't really exist um, that a lot of these people were blaming or saying that she had. So people, it felt odd maybe to stand up for her. But like, you know, Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, they've always had people in their corner in Hollywood that will be like, you know what? Like, that's a fucking talented young girl. Like, you know, she's maybe off a little bit, but like at her heart, she's a good person. Like, people didn't really talk about Britney like that when she was alive. And in reality, like she was known to have like amazing etiquette on film sets. Like she never got an ego around her. She was always like, you know, that person that when they were at their level, like people on set were shocked that she was so nice. Like she would come up and introduce herself to everyone. Um, And you know, that really says a lot about who she is. And I wish more people had stood up for her in her life. You know, I read in an article, um, I don't remember what it was, and I hate when I do this, but I, I did read in an article that Brittany Murphy was the quintessential person born in the wrong time. And she just, you know, to think of like what her career could have been if she was like, say, the age that she was during this time, like 2001, like now. Yeah. And like the conversation around women is much different. Like she just wasn't meant, uh, and same thing with Britney Spears. I mean, who's to say what the world would have been, but like, and Anna Nicole, you know what I mean? Like, it's just women that, like, yeah. really, like, they got fucked during a time when we were just mentally trying to, like, annihilate women. Like, we, and, like, women were doing it and men were doing it. The gay, Like, we all collectively were just, like, any famous woman, we want to literally, like, Salem witch them. Like, we want to, like, build them up, make them feel amazing, celebrate them, and then tear them the fuck down. Like, and it's yeah. not that way anymore. And it's interesting to think of her in present day, just in the sense that, like, I don't think, I think that they were, as much as, like, you know, Hollywood has supposedly gotten better at female roles over the years, um, the way that Britney was in a movie, like, it almost felt like it was written for her. And, yes. like, and, and everyone else was built around her. Like, yeah. that's how good she was at getting into the material. And honestly, I have to say, I don't think she could ever have the same career she had again. I think that if she was alive now, 
um, and the age that she was when she, I don't think that, that she would be able to, I don't think there would be enough meat for her to really sink her teeth into. They're making less movies. And by the way, she is a movie star. Like you can put her in a show, but she's a, she's a movie star. And I just don't think that like they really make them the way that they did when she was a star. I really don't. She, to think about how many genres she crossed and that she was never really pegged in one space. This is a girl who did horror. She did drama. She did rom-coms. She had really high camp stuff, like Drop Dead Gorgeous and Clueless. But like, you know, also some like indies. I mean, this, I really do think and blockbusters, like since, Sin city, like yeah. I think this, this, this woman, her career is fucking phenomenal. And I don't think it has been duplicated and I don't think it will be like, I think this, she had much more range than like Jennifer Lawrence, for example, who I think is considered to be one of the, like the better young actresses of our generation. Yeah. Um, she, no one from the clueless cast, can do anything that touches her. I would say Donald Faison um, has also had a really long, lengthy, wonderful career. But um, really, like she was the only one from that cast that made made a really like launch. Splash. He really launched. Well, ironically, I will say too, like the to like to like the other side of what I was saying is like, uh, you know, those are all women who career wise like not really so much like media wise but like what they did in their careers and what they were able to accomplish um it only would have worked during the time that they were famous really like they yeah. they all lend themselves so well to the early 2000s sort of aesthetic like any like britney's career was whole the entire thing was based on shock right like that became the formula for her performances and stuff was like just keep to keep shocking people and like what could britney spears really do now like what can any pop star do now that's like really considered shocking for more than like 10 minutes you know what right. i mean it just you it know just actually has a very similar career as Britney is Rachel McAdams. Yeah, that's very true. That's they're very, of the very, same very vein. Yeah. They're of the same vein. And like Rachel McAdams, I think, is a little bit more um, naturally suited for rom-coms. I don't know why. I think maybe it might be just like a combination of how um, moldable she is. Like Britney, to me, was not... She's a character actress. She's not someone that like you're, you change your hair and she becomes a new person in my mind. Like Rachel McAdams is like that, right? Right. Britney should have never done that. Like she should have... I wish more than anything, if I could go back in time and like tell her, you don't... Like don't ever try and be anything than what you are now. Yes. Like, you know, don't change your body. Don't change your hair. Because like that is all... That's where it all fucking went downhill. Like when she stopped looking like herself. Yep. You know, and again, another thing also with the climate is that she was also really thrown into um, that kooky category because she was having a, you know, she was having issues the same time that Nicole and Paris or Nicole and Lindsay were. Right. And yeah, and, oh my God, um, yeah. so like all of a sudden, like just because you have what appears to be an eating disorder, you're being grouped in on like an Us Weekly page of scary skinny stars. Mm-hmm. and. And like the the brain's natural conclusion um, is to be like, oh, they're all the same. Right. Oh my God, and, you're so right. I didn't even think about that. And like, they're not the same. Like, Britney was not out getting DUIs. But, you know, like, or you know, like she's not the same. She was a person in Hollywood who had a fucking eating disorder. Yeah. Like, you know, and like, I think that like, you know, people, especially people like you and me, who like really are like hip to this and like keep track of it and feel like it's like a 
part of history to us. Like most people don't do that. Like the way that we do it. Most people think very simply about this. They take it at face value. What they see is what it is. And so to see Brittany Murphy aligned in any way with girls like that at that time who were just, they were messes. Um, it was really unfair and like sort of just like a lazy editorial technique and like sort of just like a lazy emotional assignment, you know, just being like, Oh, okay. Like do a thing, like do a gallery on that, you know, do a gallery and everyone who looked anorexic at the MTV movie awards last night. Let's do that. And like, like, that's like, honestly really what this, um, that's like weirdly, I don't know how it became that, but that's like in a weird way, what this podcast has become for me is just like trying to like, in my small way, give like a new narrative to people that I feel like they just don't really think deeply about and that have like all of this. I don't know. There's like so much more story to tell with somebody like a Brittany Murphy or yeah. Amy Winehouse or just people like that, that it's like, Oh, you know, Amy Winehouse was a drunk and an alcoholic and an anorexic and she died. It's like, no, there's a little bit more going yeah. on. Like, <laughs> And, and, you know, the thing is, is that like, that's really like when I was doing EBP, that's what I loved about it was because I feel like, I feel like people lack a lot of empathy towards other people. Um, and that's like, not like, this isn't a huge development, but like, I think people really do lack a lot of empathy. And, um, you know, I think that like for some people, like just giving them a, like a, you know, like a challenge on their perspective, um, is really fucking important. Like, Right now, that girl, Caroline Calloway or whatever, that blogger girl, like, is getting fucking slammed over, you know, poorly planning these workshops. And if people are calling her a scammer, and I'm like, first of all, this is hardly a scam. Like, someone did the math. She was maybe going to make $800 off this tour if there wasn't any, like, hikes in, um in flight fees or hotel rooms. Like, I mean, the most she could have made was $800 from this. I don't think that's a long con. I'll be honest with you. That sounds like a fucking uh, person with rose colored glasses on thinking that they can do something that normally it takes an entire event planning team to pull off. Right. Um, but like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's just like, it's so interesting to me. Like, you know, people really like to fucking bandwagon on that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, yo, are you like, are you legit upset about scammers? Because if you want to talk about scammers, like, let's fucking start with all the other people. Like, cause like literally like any single bitch out there who's selling like thrive or Amway or Lulu row. Yeah. She, or fucking fit tummy tea. <laughs> he is more disruptive Okay, so oh, so guess what? A bunch of fucking white girls who have $165 to spend got disappointed. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. Like, she's not, like, this girl, Caroline Calloway, she's not ripping off people that can't afford it. She's not promising a new life. She literally was like, uh, I'm 27. Do you want to come hear me do life advice? I'll give you a jar. Like, literally, like, that is what it, that's, <laughs> that's what it was. I don't feel bad for anyone who lost $165 on that. But people like to fucking dogpile on people and people yeah. like to really like assume another person's intentions and like not think past the fact that maybe there's something a little bit deeper there. Maybe it's not insidious. Maybe it's not, you know, um, maybe like, you know, maybe the person had a worse plan and they dropped the ball. Like, who knows? Like, but very people to just take stuff at face value so often. And I feel like we're, we are seeing more of that. Like, I really was impressed by the way the majority of the people that in my echo chamber anyway, handled like the Christine Blasey Ford thing, you know, like yeah. years ago, even people that agreed with her would have been taking pot shots on social media because we were all into shock humor. 
and stuff like that. Um, we've gotten a lot nicer, like as a community in terms of just like really empathizing and being like, of course she's nervous. Of course she's this, of course she's that. Like back then, if you didn't act right, like, in, I mean, back then, like eight years ago, if you didn't fucking act right, like, yeah, done. yeah, you know, and, um, yeah. I did. I do think like just sort of like also the other way that like we've all changed a lot. Um, I love this tweet. Mike Scully from um, The Simpsons tweeted this and I quote it all the time. But he was like, do you remember when Al Gore rolled his eyes during the debate and we were all shocked at how horribly undignified he was? Yeah. You know what I mean? And so like that's the kind of thing that was frontline news. If someone made a fucking, uh, if someone eye rolled during a thing that was supposed to be a presidential, like a formal occasion. If there was supposed to be someone that we looked up to, how dare you roll an eye, right? Now we live in a fucking circus. Now, like, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is like openly talking about when she gets blackout drunk, she turns into this other character. Like, it's just people are allowed to talk in a different way. Poor Brittany Murphy's over here being like, no, I've never done math, you know? But like, I, I, I do feel really good about my dress tonight. Thank you. I, uh, because I'm giggly? Like, why, yeah. you know, like, why would someone deserve that? It's just so bizarre to me. People are so um, fucking whack. You know, truthfully, yeah. people are so whack. It's like, it's, I just feel, you know, I feel like um, it's really important to, like, examine things. I try to always do that. Whenever I'm mad at someone or anything else, I'm always like, well, wait, what's the other side of this? Like, what could be the other way that they're interpreting this? Um why, like, why would you do that if you were them, you know? And like, that's, I think really important to like, think about that way, you know? Just to think about it for more than one minute and then start fucking tweeting. It's like, calm the fuck down. Right. And like, stop thinking that like, like you, it's your responsibility to punish people that you think have done something wrong. Like you have to think that there's like, there's also millions of other people that just so happen to feel the same way. And it's like, you don't even just like just st- like stop and like take a few minutes to like assess the situation and not yeah. like, ban like I hate bandwagon shit. I hate it. I hate it. And by the, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Like I'll be real. Like I will absolutely tweet a split second reaction. Like if something happens with like a Kardashian for fucking sure. If like Elon Musk does something stupid, I will tweet my gut reaction. But I I always do try to if I read more and find out differently, correct myself publicly and be like, actually, you know, um, I, you know, I thought about it this way or whatever. Um, I was speaking of that Twitter thread again and I'll like, let, I'll like shut the fuck up. But like, I'm just seeing a lot of this. So I feel inspired on it. Like there was this thing that thread today that was going around of like the most embarrassing questions that have been asked like by a journalist or whatever. And, um, or at a Q and a, and this, um, this girl was talk- uh this guy said like he was at this event um where this author who wrote um what is it called Hella Nation um he was let me let me look it up so basically it's a book that was written um kind of in an immersive journalism experience and the- this one woman showed up to the Q&A and she was like kind of in disguise i guess mm-hmm. and she asked like a normal question and he answered and then she sort of revealed herself to be this person was like, Hey, like, I'm actually also here to confront you about like what the fuck you wrote in your book about me. And like, uh, you know, I'm pissed. And he was like, ma'am, you signed the release, ma'am, you signed the release. And like, she was escorted out. And the guys who was relaying this story is like, God, she was such a psychopath. And I'm sitting there being like, 
I actually think that that was an, I think that that was the move. Yeah. I'm sure that this guy is not answering her phone calls. I'm sure he's not answering her emails. I'm sure the literary agent is hanging up on her when she calls. That was brilliant. And, yeah. and you know what? Sorry. Someone just saying like when people are like, well, you signed the release. It's like, well, listen, bitch, just because I signed the release doesn't mean that you own my soul. Like, it doesn't mean that I can't be upset about what you did with it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, signing an NDA or a release does not mean that you're cool with something happening. So, I I, I don't know. Like, it was weird to me because I was like, God, like, why are you calling this woman rude for trying to stand up for herself? You know, like, this is like, there's people on here talking about, you know, um, reporters asking Nicole Kidman if it's, you know, been long enough and if she's ready to talk about her miscarriage. Amongst stories like that, you think that this woman was a psycho? To me, it sounds like the author's a fucking psycho because he's like, sorry, lady. Like, you, you know what? I'm fucking check signed. Okay. The check is cleared. Like, yeah, release the hounds, get her out. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I just like, I, overall, like, one of the reasons why I love this podcast and I love you and your brain is that you are someone that, keeps an open mind and like really wants to, you know, you have a very generous heart and I love your brain. And I'm really glad that you do this podcast. Well, I'm glad that you like are the reason I'm doing this podcast. Like, honestly, I mean, like you are the reason because out of every (laughs) single motherfucker that responded to me on Snapchat, you and Liz are the two out of thousands that I was like, these are my fucking people. My friend Amaris (laughs) is too, but I I don't know if I'm giving Amaris podcast, but you have this voice that just rings clear and you are such a pleasure to listen to. And you know that, and everyone tells you this all the time, but like, you know, I mean, was I, was I one of the first people that really saw that? Sure. Uh, (laughs) Sure. Did I discover you? Sure. You had the talent. Okay. Well, I mean, like, I'm really happy that we did this. I could not have done it alone. And I love you. And I can't wait. We're going to, I mean, eventually we're going to talk about Brittany and Simon. Do you want to like do that sometime next week? I, I could do that whenever. And I also really yeah. want to do Stassi and Jax. Or, am I allowed to say that in front of the audience? Oh, no, yes. We're, we're, that's, if you've made it this far, Patreon people, we're doing that. That's a thing. And I'm so fucking, I have so many things to say, especially now we're on the, op, we're on the opposite end of, you know, they are them both, um, you know, Stassi almost being engaged herself. It's fucking crazy. It's crazy. And, um, yeah, I will say that since we are like floating this now, um, you guys have like, uh, like a week to DM either one of us, any Simon Monjack tea you have. Yes, please. And you have a couple weeks to DM any Stassi and Jack's tea you have, um, or Vanderpump tea in general. We will not cite you as a source, but we will refer yeah. to you vaguely in conversation and say allegedly a lot. So, yeah. Sorry to well, do a call to action on your podcast. No, that's, I mean, because I said earlier, I, that's a blind spot for me. It's like, all I know about that is like what I've read in like Us Weekly. You know what I mean? Like, I would love to know like some inside shit. So if you know, and it's, it's, it's a conspiracy and it's fun to hear other people's like, uh, you know, conspiracy theories as far as um, something like that, that we'll never actually probably know the answers to. Mm-hmm. You're the best, babe. You're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. I love you so much. And also, by the way, by the way, just saying, this was a much better episode than what we did yesterday. I'm just saying. I agree. I agree. <laughs> just saying. And also, like, yeah, like, it's interesting because, um, like, I just, I didn't want to, sh- I just want to make sure I don't shit on nothing. Like, I now I know how you do it because yeah. I, I listen, but I've never been inside the recording. Yes. So- being here now um, feels feels good. Feels good. And I love you and I'm proud of you. And I love you too. And I'm going to text you immediately when we're done with this and talk about how tired I am. 
Okay, boo-boo. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Smush Room, an emotionally broken psycho's Patreon exclusive. Please make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review. It really helps your boy. Also, make sure to head over to patreon.com slash evpsychos for more information on this show and other Patreon-exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McEady. That's T-R-O-Y-M-C-E-A-D-Y. You can also follow this podcast at EBP underscore Smushroom. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.